Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Good evening and welcome to a brand new week here at the Sea Report. I am your host, Mr. C, and I hope everyone is doing well tonight. Um, we had a great weekend this past weekend. If any of you guys were tagging along to check out the festivities, you might know what we're talking about. And uh, we also have a pretty good show in the racks for you guys today. Uh, let's see uh, some of our main topics of uh, discussion tonight. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah, I <laughs> put MTJ. My bad. Here, let me fix that before anyone else comes into the chat. <laughs> oh, good. Who is MTJ? Couldn't tell you, ladies and gentlemen. Don't know anyone by that name. All right, there we go. That's better. Marjorie Taylor Green. Okay, all right. Introducing articles of impeachment. On another than uh, you guessed it, um, um, uh, Herr Biden over there in uh, the fake uh, fake capital or wherever it is that he's hiding these days, I forgot it was his uh, it was his mom's basement. That's where Biden's been relegated to these days. It seems, uh, yeah, it's something the move that we could have expected to have been uh, to have happened. Of course, it's not the first time uh, Miss Taylor Green has introduced articles of impeachment on President uh, Biden. Uh, she did so also, uh, was that briefly back in January or February, uh, and she tried to get his, uh, get him out of the office, and uh, yeah, that was basically what was going on there. Uh, let's see, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Mo Brooks, uh, because Mo Brooks uh, really came to uh, the spotlight, um, if, if not for President Trump just really, really reiterating his name over his Mo. Vote for Mo. I, I, he has my total and complete endorsement. Mo Brooks does. Um, at the uh, weekend's past um, President Trump rally over there in Alabama, what well, was the the Alabama GOP rally featuring President Trump? I guess that would be a proper way to put it. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of a lot of uh, questions came up about uh, whether Mo. Well, a lot of people were thinking it wasn't Mo Brooks a rhino. Well, you know. We here at the C Channel, we're not listening to Mo Brooks' speech at the rally, but if you did hear what he said, one might cause uh, one might cause that question uh, to be asked: Is Mo Brooks in fact a rhino? And then also, who is Kevin Kiley? He uh, seems to be a, a young firebrand coming out of the Assembly of California. Some of you guys may have already heard about this young man, and he is uh, running for uh, governor in uh, California's recall election. Uh, some people are touting him as the possible top GOP contender against Gavin Grusom Newsom. And uh, that's not to say, though, that uh, Larry Elder is not still in the mix, because indeed he is. But hey, more good guys seem to be popping up out of the woodwork over in Cali. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll talk a little about uh, Kevin Kylie with you all today and uh, perhaps introduce him to some of those who may not know who he is, because I have a feeling after this whole recall election is done, even if he does not secure the governor's seat, he will probably he will probably become a national figure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what we got going on before we get into today's show. Aurelius Locke, how's it going, sir? You are hanging out in the chat room. We need to be able to share links to individual shows, not just the channel. Yeah, you know, that that's actually a pretty good idea. Uh, we were, um, well, well, speaking of the weekend, right? Uh, if you guys were hanging out with us during the weekend, uh, of course, we had our uh, Mr. C in the Dark shows on Friday and Saturday evening. Both, both very good shows, if I do say so myself. 
Uh, we had a book nook, Gen K Canadian bird, hanging out with us on Friday evening. We talked a lot about Canada, uh, you know, and uh, we dispelled some myths, and we also we also um, fortified some truths, you know. And and to that end, I said, well, man, maybe I owe Canadians an apology because I was just like, guys, why are you not turning up? But man, that system over there. Not coming from me, guys, coming from a Canadian themselves. But uh, you guys should take a listen to that, uh, to that, um, take a listen to that uh, interview over there. That's in the uh, Friday night edition of Mr. C in the Dark with uh, Jen K. Canadian Bird Book Nook. For those of you here on the Foxhole app and looking for, um, you know, looking for a cool podcast to check out and uh, live stream. Um, where it's uh, literature and uh, educational and uh, fun. So yeah, most definitely they're doing um, they're doing a Brave New World, no Brave New World, 1984. My bad, Brave New World, totally different story there, uh, but oddly similar. Anyhow, so there's that. Uh, we also had um, uh, Lone Star News as well, and uh, we had uh, broadcasted the uh, President Trump Alabama rally. We had little we had a little pep rally beforehand, and uh, you know just uh, chatting with friends and having a good conversation and enjoying his speech, which. If any of you guys caught it, I'm sure most of you all have, you know, um, I think uh, I think uh, his uh, speech was uh, flavored seasonably with, uh, you know, um, the things that are going on in Afghanistan. So, uh, I mean, just giving giving President Trump uh, more ammunition and uh, again, solidifying his entire point about uh, what's been going on with this illegitimate presidency. Now you see what happens when someone who's not supposed to be president becomes the president. Yeah, it was uh, quite interesting, quite interesting. Uh, so yeah, and, and you know, it made for it made for good. It made for good ammunition for President Trump. So that was pretty cool too. And then uh, Sunday, Sunday we did a watch party. If any of you guys missed out on that, I highly recommend. Speaking of sharing those shows, individual shows, <laughs> Mister Aurelius. Um, yeah, we did a watch party. Uh, was it a poison shot vaccine or no, no? Poison shot. Well, the the new normal. <laughs> That was the one, uh, but the the death shot uh, jab. <laughs> that one, that one was uh, Doctor Zelenko uh, um, testifying before a rabbinical uh, uh, group of individuals, judges, priests, and uh, talking about uh, talking about um, uh, the vaccine, the jab, and and how it was detrimental, and specifically so. But then following that up with the new normal, which is a brand new but newly banned, uh, thoroughly banned. I would say in most uh, major places, a documentary about um, not only COVID-19 and the vaccine, but also how that plays into uh, the technocracy and the transhumanist movement, otherwise known as the globalists, formerly known as, you know, the Illuminati, formerly known as the New World Order, or it's all one and the same, but uh, really, really does a good job of painting that picture of exactly and putting the pieces together of exactly how they are um, um, trying to accomplish this goal, which is an ages old goal. Um, and, and I'm sure it all goes back to the George's Guidestones. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, you guys should definitely go check out this past weekend here at the Sea Channel. It was a pretty, pretty heavy duty weekend um, and all good at that. So let's see what else we got here. Disco Daphne, good evening, Miss Disco Daphne. How you doing? Thank you, Aurelius. I'm sure you're looking sharp yourself, my friend. Good afternoon, good evening. Seize the day 9-11. And Disco Ball Ch Chaser, thank you for the well wishes, my friend. <laughs> Anka Banka, what's Anka Banka saying? Good evening, Anka Banka, what you doing, CD? 
Good to see you in the chat rooms. Ankavanka says, Mr. C, someone called into Brother's show and said that they watched your shows and they were amazing. Oh, and then Abe said he would love to have you. Oh, wow. That would be so cool. Um, yes, the Brothers Uncensored. Um, though that's a that is a solid outfit right there, guys. Uh, a solid, well-matching outfit. <laughs> Uh, just, you know, clothing puns. Sorry. You know what I mean? Uh, I admire their work. Um, I, I do get to, I do get to peep it. I do get to lurk every now and then, like say if, uh, say if I'm uh, in the middle of working on the report before I go on the air and I need to take a cigarette break, I'll pop onto the Foxhole app and I will lurk on some shows. But, uh, you know, the longest I can get a cigarette to last, and guys, I'm not advocating smoking, okay? I'm not saying just because Mr. C smokes, you should smoke too. But what I am saying is, like, uh, the longest I can get a cigarette to last is maybe 10 minutes, and that's on an American spirit, and that's because those are slow burners. Man, if I were smoking anything else, I'd probably, uh, probably be done in five minutes. So <laughs> for 10 to 15 minutes, I'll take a break, and I'll go lurk on some uh, some foxhole shows, see what see what everyone's up to. Uh, but yeah, I've always uh, I've always enjoyed uh, and s the segments I get to see with the brothers uncensored and uh, and uh, uh, above average Joe Patriots rapid fire. Always enjoy that too. So fun stuff. Wow. Well, thank you for thank you for dropping that little bit of information, Miss Ankavanka. <laughs> I would never have known. I would never have known. Um, let's see. Uh, yes, a busy, busy weekend indeed. Aurelia Slock, it certainly was. Tombstone, what's going on? Tombstone says, "Don't go woke." Oh, Tombstone. <laughs> I don't think you got to worry about that. Uh, <laughs> so what do you call it? Yesterday uh, evening, um, I dropped into the Speak Uneasy's chat and uh, um, he had asked what one of the, what were the titles were of the movies that we were, um, we were watching. And so I typed in the new normal and he was like, are you going woke, Mr. C? And I, <laughs> I was like, no, that was the title of the movie. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so that's funny. That is too funny. Now you don't got to worry about me going woke anytime soon, my friend, uh, anytime soon. If anything, I might get wider awake, but I don't think I'll go woke. Anyways, you know what that turns you into says tombstone. Oh my, and those, the eloquent words, the eloquent phrasing of president Trump. Kudos to Mr. C and very excited when you're going to be on the brother show. Cool. I mean, I'll know when I know you guys will know. <laughs> Uh, but they're they're a good they're they're a good group of guys. They are a good group of guys. They do a lot of work, you know, not just on their show, but also in the communities, especially in the Patriot community. So, uh, uh, total props and respect to the brothers. Faux show, poison death shot. Thank you, thank you, Aurelius Luck. <laughs> man, that's how busy of a weekend it was, guys. That is how busy of a weekend it was. That is what the man was talking about. Those vids you played. Okay, cool. I mean, hey, you know, credit where credits due. Um, and I don't know, uh, I, I don't want to embarrass the man, but you know, Aurelius is the one that tipped me off on those, uh, uh, on all of the videos that we watched yesterday, curated that to a T and, uh, I just, I just seasoned it with, you know, with love and insight. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's all I did, but good. I mean, it was good stuff guys like that, that kind of, uh, that kind of documentary, the new normal, uh, is one of those, those good old documentaries that, you know, I really used to enjoy watching. Uh, you know, because they don't quite make them like they used to. Uh, you know, nowadays it's just a bunch of uh, I don't know uh, uh, tweet uh, tweet screenshots and and uh, 30, 30 second to a minute long like screens with words on it expressing emotion, and then maybe a news clip. Oh, it sounds like we're talking about my show. 
anyways, okay. <laughs> All right, Anka, thank you for the cookie. And hey, Belushi, thank you, sir, for the cookie. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, yes, Abe was very complimentary to you and your work. Awesomeness. If y'all missed the watch party last night, definitely, yes, definitely watch the replay. Huge red pill bombs. Yes, a lot of red pill bombs going on there. Uh, and that's yesterday. Yesterday's uh, here on the C channel. Uh, if you go check it out at the pill.net or even here at the Foxhole app, of course, it's got, you know, it's got the little, uh, it's got the little um, graphic of a, a woman with her mask and all that stuff on. It's, it's really good, guys. It is really good. Talk about, uh, talk about giving us an easy way to red pill others. There you go. We got the tool, guys. We got the tool in our toolbox. So uh, let's do it. You know, let's do it. Um, let's see here. Uh, hey, Belushi, you smoke American spirits also? Dude, yep, I smoke American spirits because, and again, I'm not advocating smoking, but Tombstone did say that nicotine kills COVID, so hey. <laughs> and I've had it five times. Anyways, okay. Yeah, I smoke yellows. I smoke the yellows, uh, Belushi. Light blues, awesomeness. I like, I like American spirits. They got more flavor and they last longer. Because I tell you what, like uh, Marlboro, or and I haven't done Cowboy Killers in a long time. Like I used to, I started on Cowboy Killers, guys. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I would smoke Reds. That was like the, the first cigarette I ever had. And I smoked those until I was 25. And one day I just stopped cold turkey uh, for, you know, um, I guess I guess you could say reasons of health. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe about mm, three or four years ago. No, no, it must have been shorter than that. Maybe about three years ago. Um, I just started smoking again. So, you know, anyways, it was like my body was like, uh, Mr. C, you don't have enough toxins in your body. So uh, let's go ahead and get uh, let's go ahead and get that uh, that nicotine habit going again. Anyways. <laughs> yep. Everything. Uh, yep. Uh, everything woke turns to, you know what? She. <laughs> just look at Millie. You know, there was a report uh, that I'd seen that came out that said um, uh, Millie may actually resign. He may step down. He may step down in order to save the hide of his black lover. <laughs> Lloyd Austin. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. I mean, I mean, you know, they're going to want someone to step down and it's not going to be Lloyd Austin, you know, the, the deep state military industrial complex, you know, buffoon who goes out looking like, I don't know, Darth Vader with all those masks on his face. I mean, ridiculous guys. So uh, Millie's going to bend over for him. I got, I feel like I should, I feel like I should uh, put on that graphic, right? <laughs> it feels like it's deserved. It feels like it is deserved. <laughs> let me see if I, let me see if I can work my magic quickly enough for you guys. Oh, uh, Okay. Huh. All right, guys. So <laughs> Millie, <laughs> Millie is going to bend over for General Retired General Lloyd Austin. <laughs> He's like, I just got these pressed on nails. <laughs> I don't want to ruin them in battle, anyways. So, <laughs> um, uh, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, indeed, uh, that's what I read. Now we'll see if it happens. I, I kind of feel like it will. I kind of feel like uh, General Milley will take the plunge, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, because um, because uh, Lloyd Austin's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the story I got on that. 
far as I know, one uh, General Victoria Mark Milley will be stepping down, most likely. We'll see how that goes. Howdy doody, Pilled by the Rabbit. How are you doing today? I hope Pilled Jessica had a great time in uh, the foxhole yesterday. I think uh, you said that was her first time, right? Her first time in. Oh, I remember the first time. I remember the first time. Uh, Vanguard 360, outstanding show Sunday night. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, highly recommended. It would be great if you can pass that reset uh, documentary on to other pod uh, on to other podcasts. On, on, pass it on on Foxhole, such as Methods, Red Pill, etc. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I just found out about it, guys. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I mean, I'm generally very late to the party. I'm generally very late to the party, so I, I, I kind of assumed everyone has already seen it. <laughs> I really did, uh, but no. If that's the case, I'll I'll, I'll drop the links to, to all of the friends in the Discord. I didn't know. I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea. Goodness Lord, yeah, heck yeah. We need we need to spread that word, guys. We need to get that tool in everyone's tool shed. You know what I mean? <laughs> we need to get that tool in everyone's tool shed. Uh, let me get Millie off the screen, guys. He's distracting me. Millie, get back in your cage, okay? <laughs> Okay. All right. That's better. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> yes, Millie. Okay. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, Smee 17, welcome back. And thank you for the cookie, the gold pill cookie. Uh, evening, Mr. C is always excited to be here. Excited to have you along with us. Always happy to see the friends coming in and hang out and, you know, uh, you know, having a good time with each other. That's always a fun, fun thing. Uh, let's see here. Fantastic job, brother. Thank you, thank you sir. Um, kudos to you too. At really, so yes, yes, most definitely. Foxholes. So yeah, methods, red pill, etc. Yes, yes, yes. We'll get that over to them. We'll get that over to them asap. Um, let's see here. And uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, everything's. You guys are moving fast. Um, ah, smees, your dark green American spirits. What flavor is that? <laughs> Is that a menthol type flavor? I'm not sure. I've only tried the blacks. I used to I used to do the blacks, blacks and uh, orange and yellow, um, and I think I've, I've done the light blue ones before. Um, but they have a bunch of different a bunch of different covers colors slash flavors. Makes you wonder what happened to that. It makes you wonder what happened to that. What the documentaries? Um, I mean, that one one of them was banned. That's for sure. That is for dang sure. Um, let's see. Doing pretty good. Okay. Oh, yeah. Aurelius says, thank you. Thank you, Mr. C. Um, shirt in the making revealed at the end. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know what? We, we can do it again. So yesterday at the end of the show, uh, so let it be known, um, you know, a, a chatter has been going on about like Mr. C merchandise because I've never really put much thought into it. But um, Mr. Locke over there in... Uh, in the chat rooms here at Foxhole, uh, took it upon himself, and and uh, I, I, with great appreciation, man, I can't believe it, um, to design uh, some Mr. C shirts. So we we did a uh, we did a, a reveal last night of one of the shirt designs that Aurelius did. Um, so we'll share it with you guys now. Uh, now we don't have any details on 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 if or when these may be out, but um, Aurelius and I will be working on that. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. So uh, this was one of them. I, this has like the Mr. C logo on the front. Yeah. I like that. I don't know why I do, but I do. <laughs> so 
So anyways, and then uh, and then the back of this shirt, um, and I really, really like the way these are designed. Uh, they remind me of like, um, you know, like band, rock band shirts, punk shirts, you know, grunge type shirts. Totally my thing. Totally my, hey, why won't you move over? Hold on. Oh, where's the other one at? Hold on. Let me find it, guys. <laughs> Whoops. There we go. Okay, so here's the other one. Oh, here's the back of it, I should say. Uh, so let me go ahead and that is uh, the back of the shirt. He's very, it's very punk, very grungy, very rock band shirt, very much my style. I think it, I think it adds a whole different dimension uh, to what we're doing here at the Sea Report and the Sea Channel. But yeah, so it says, uh, and Aurelius is the one who came up with this also actually, keep that prick away from me. <laughs> and I was like, I love it. I was like, I love it. Can we put that on a shirt? And lo and behold, there you go. So uh, anyways, guys, I'm excited about that. Uh, there's a few other shirts. There's about three or four other designs. Um, and uh, maybe there'll be another one or two popping up here or there. But thank you, Aurelius, again for, uh, for doing that. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, man. And then also, uh, I mean, if, if and when they become available, we will let you guys know for sure. Um, so if any of you guys are interested in supporting the show in a different way um, or just sporting a Mr. C shirt with a really cool, I mean, that's a statement right there, if you ask me. Um, like uh, I, that shirt makes a statement. Uh, so like uh, if you guys want to do that, you could have a lot of fun. You could have a lot of fun uh, basically really ticking off uh, liberals and Democrats <laughs> and SJWs, um, but also 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 uh, displaying your defiance and uh, displaying uh, your reproachful um, um, loathing. Because I know I do, you know, uh, of these people. Uh, telling them no, like letting people know there are others out there, and uh, we're not just we're not just saying it anymore. We're also wearing shirts about it too. <laughs> so look out, look out, guys, look out. So anyway, so there's that. Very happy to share that with you guys. Very exciting times. Very exciting times. Um, okay, cool. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got going on before we get into today's news? Um, and let's see here, or for the report for today, I should say. Uh, let's, oh, let's not look at Millie. How could you not look at Millie Tamgral with those, uh, those fire pink nails <laughs> and that luscious fuchsia lipstick? <laughs> hey, Val Kimber, how's it going? Welcome back. Uh, welcome back into the show. Uh, not a visual I need. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we gotta make, we gotta find a way to make that Millie, that Millie picture a little bit more permanent. Uh, I see Aurelius. I see. I see. Yeah, I mean, uh, speak an easy saying we should make that that General Milley shirt. Um, I, I kind of agree. It, it seems like Aurelius might be feeling that as well. So something may be in order, but man, I would like I would love to have that on a shirt. Honestly, guys, uh, let's see. I would love to have it. Um, OK, all righty, guys. And let me see a little bit more. We got going on here, more eyeshadow and maybe a little bit more blush. <laughs> That is not General Patton, <laughs> pilled by the rabbit. Uh, don't you don't you recognize a woke piece of you know what when you see one? Because <laughs> that is indeed what it is indeed. Curly Kaylee, how's it going? Welcome into the chats. Good to see you. And uh, let's see, I was tagging other creators on their shows to watch last night's show, and then found out the link is to the channel, not the show. Oh no. Um, yeah, well. 
menthol. Oh, it's menthol. Good to know, Smeeks. Hopefully they'll be able to get in there. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I put the little I put the little graphic on that show with the, you know, the new normal um, cover for the movie, the documentary. So hopefully that's that's good enough of a clue of which one to watch um, and they'll get to check it out. You know, there might actually be a pill, like if you go to pill, the pills side of Foxhole, like, and you click on it there, that might actually give you an individual link to the show. Like if you do it on pilled, I could be wrong, but I think if you do it on pilled, I think you can, uh, you can actually do it by per show as opposed to like on the Foxhole. Because the foxholes, like, you know, the videos are linked within the main page, but on pilled, when you click on an episode, it takes you to a totally different page. So maybe 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 it could work that way um so yes most definitely uh let's see here cool you guys seem to like the shirt blue rinse at blue rinse thank you for the cookie uh thumper rose really mo, mo blah, blah, really mo brooks has been a fighter for trump since be being beginning called other rhinos surrender croc yes thumper rose thank you so much thumper i'm glad that you put that in the chat because uh, like i said we are going to look at Mo Brooks a little bit later on. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, Alabama, if you ask me, guys, Alabama is probably just a really tough crowd. You know what I mean? Because Mo Brooks was not the only one who's getting booed. I mean, we were all watching when, you know, President Trump was getting booed, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm laughing, but that's good. And that's real. And that's something. And even though the mainstream media... CNN and MSDNC are making fun. They're like, oh, people who are like MAGA central are booing President Trump. You know, like, um, like definitely, guys, that's something that is an optic that needs to be seen because that right there should frighten the swamp creatures even more. OK, that right there should frighten the globalists even more. Because it lets them know, it lets them know that the reason why we are supporting President Trump is because of the work that he did for our country, for our constitution, and for the people, right? That's why we support President Trump, okay? But if he goes sideways, we would be the first to hang him, metaphorically speaking, right? And the reason why that should make them scared is because that means anyone could rise up like President Trump. And with that message, they would see the same support as they see with President Trump. So if I were them, I'd be like, holy crap, like that's a signal that's saying these people mean business. Like you can't just take out, you know, Donald J, J. Trump and, and think that this movement will die, you know, and think that this movement will just go sulking off into the darkness. So yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up, Thumper. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing that point of view. Because like I says, we's going to talk about Mo Brooks in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Hey, just V, how's it going? Good evening, lady, my friend. Good to see you, ma'am. And uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, Tombstone, how's it been going? Yes, hey, always in Texas. You in here? How's it going, sweetie? I didn't see you. Good evening, Miss Always in Texas. David Sloan, welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you. Skeeter Burke, welcome, welcome. <laughs> uh, Curly Kaylee, thank you for the cookie. Mr. C, thank you again for the laughs. It's definitely contagious. You're most, <laughs> you're most welcome, my friend. You're most welcome. I only laugh when it's appropriate. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Andrew, I think we're almost uh, caught up with all the chat and we can jump into today's show. We're looking at what, about almost uh, half an hour in. Derailing, welcome, derailing. How's it going, my friend? Um, let's see. Uh, he's not a POS, but he was getting out of his lane when he doesn't allow uh, that in. And, and we don't allow that in ballot. Hey, are you from Alabama, Thumper Rose? That's cool. That's cool. And you're right. You're right. You're right, guys. You know, if, if we're giving you any kind of uh, if we're giving you any kind of uh, preview for the Mo Brooks story tonight, just listen to uh, listen to what me and uh, Thumper Rose are kind of saying right now. <laughs> Most definitely, Thumper Rose. I appreciate you, my friend, for being here and for uh, for expressing those thoughts. Because uh, I tell you what, you know, um, that was kind of uh, where were you on Saturday, Thumper? I, <laughs> oh wait, you probably at the rally. Jesus Christ! Uh, but yeah, you know, um, yeah, um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of words around the fire camp that were like, "Is it Mo Brooks or Rhino? Is it Mo Brooks or Rhino?" And I was like, I think he was endorsed by President Trump twice. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't think, I mean, I couldn't remember, but I, I kind of felt like uh, somewhere in there he might have been. Now, he has the look of a, um, he has the look of a career politician, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Uh, good evening, Kristin, Christina Fontana, and good evening, Classical Chick. Good to have you in the chat room with us. And then also Reggie V, Reggie 5 thank you for gifting that phone, my friend. You may call in anytime you want. All right. All right. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and get into today's report so we can get uh, this uh, news business underway. Um, now, okay, so um, let's start with, uh, of course, of course, what am I thinking, right? Mr. C, what are you thinking? Uh, President Trump always leads at the C report. So let's go ahead and start off with that. I'm going to move this one down here. Oh, who's that? You know who that is. You don't you don't like that man, but you know who that man is. All right. So President Trump leads at the sea report as forever and for always. Uh, so we do have a few rounds of statements uh, coming from President Trump today. Now, I'm pretty sure most of you guys can guess what the topic of conversation will be from President Trump, just as Afghanistan has seemed to have uh, monopolized the uh, the news circuit this past week entirely. Um, so too is it with President Trump's uh, statements, but that's not without uh, any particular um, clashing. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it works perfectly. It fits the narrative. It, um, it, if only it, it pushes it further uh, exactly about the type of disaster our country is seeing at the hands of an illegitimate president. You know, someone who should never have been there in place, and it begs a lot of questions from a lot of people, and we'll talk about that in just a sec, but the first statement from President Trump says, this Afghanistan disaster would not have happened with Trump. The Taliban knew I would rain down uh, fire and fury if any American personnel or interests were harmed, the likes of which have never been seen. This is a catastrophe of historic proportions. And indeed it is, ladies and gentlemen, indeed it is. We can say a lot more about that, and we will after we get through this next statement, because this statement is off of the topic of Afghanistan, and in fact has to do with another endorsement from President Trump. So President Trump is now endorsing this man. His name is Adam Laxalt. Adam Laxalt. <laughs> and uh, his statement goes on to say, Adam Laxalt is running for Senate in Nevada to defeat, defeat Harry Reid's 
Chuck Schumer's and Nancy Pelosi's hand-picked successor and win an America First majority in the United States Senate. Adam is a Navy veteran who served our nation bravely in Iraq. As a former attorney general, he has always supported our law enforcement and keeping our communities safe. He fought valiantly against the election fraud, which took place in Nevada. He is strong on secure borders and defending America against the radical left. Adam has my complete and total endorsement. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have President Trump's complete and total endorsement, you probably shouldn't say that you do. <laughs> right, George Bush? Anyways, okay, we're talking about uh, the grandson. All right, guys. So, uh, yes. So there's that. Adam Laxalt of Nevada. Adam Laxalt of Nevada running for a United States Senate seat uh, in the upcoming election there. And, uh, you know, I guess we will see how he does. All right. Uh, next statement from President Trump takes us back into Afghanistan. Joe Biden gave our enemies all around the world a great and lasting victory when he unexpectedly and inexplicably removed our great soldiers from Afghanistan before taking out our United States citizens and allies, along with abandoning many billions of dollars of highest grade military equipment, leaving our military till the end was such a simple decision that anyone with intelligence and common sense would have made, but he called it wrong and instantly created perhaps the greatest embarrassment for our country in its history. And it is far from over. Final statement for tonight from President Trump. Biden's biggest, biggest mistake was not understanding that the military has to be the last out the door, not the first out. Civilians and equipment go first, then when everyone and everything is out, the military goes so simple, and yet it wasn't done. Tragic. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, indeed. And uh, if, if any of you guys have been following exactly what all has been going on in Afghanistan since uh, we last talked about it here at the Sea Report, or in general, in general, uh, you know, I didn't uh, I didn't pay too much too much attention to the headlines, uh, you know, over the weekend as far as Afghanistan goes. I mean, you know, the stories keep coming out, keep coming out, keep coming out about um, how uh, how brutal and uh, mal malicious the Taliban are. Um, I, I cannot speak to that at this point. I did read a whole bunch of articles. I, I reviewed a whole bunch of videos. Uh, you know, yes, there is violence. Um, yes, there there is bloodshed. Um, uh, to the context of it, I don't know for sure. I just know that I've seen at least uh, two more videos that feature, you know, human DNA, uh, either staining clothes or uh, otherwise. Um, I, I did see another video where they're talking about uh, the chaos that the Taliban are causing at the airport. And uh, I was a little disappointed with the video. I mean, it showed them shooting guns in the air, which um, kind of coincided with the reports that 
we read about uh, last week, and uh, I talked touched a little bit about it during the week. Sorry, my contact is just bothering the heck out of me. Uh, we and touched about it a little bit during the weekend report um, over at Mr. C in the Dark and stuff like that, and maybe maybe even during the Trump rally. Um, but like uh, you know, uh, still still you know, uh, I think the biggest thing that has changed is that um, uh, the United States no longer has until September 11th to get out of Afghanistan, but now they have until August 31st. Um, we have the entire world stage of political leadership and uh, governmental leaders basically um, uh, trashing Biden and the United States right now. Now, I don't know about, uh, you know, what the hell Harris's trip over there to Vietnam or Singapore or wherever she is. Um, I believe she said she was uh, proud of the way things were handled, but I don't know anything other than that. Uh, you know, I know the United Kingdom is really railing against uh, President uh, in, President in Resident uh, Joe Biden. Um, you know, uh, even one of even one of the um, uh, I guess one of their military leaders calling for his court martialing um, for the way that was handled. Uh, we have uh, Macron the Cabron. Uh, you know, basically uh, uh, I, he had pleaded with them apparently, uh, but apparently the uh, White House decided to scrub that portion of the transcript. Uh, to have America do the right thing and save the people and the allies of Afghanistan. Like that would, that seemed to be the message more to me that I was getting from these, uh, these um, other country leaders, countrymen leaders, you know, like um, they were, they're like uh, president, president, illegitimate Joe, you need to go save the allies of Afghanistan. And that seemed to be that their focus, the allies of Afghanistan, because, you know, any ally of Afghanistan, that's an ally of world leaders from Europe are probably allies of the globalists as well. And uh, it seems to be that that's what they were most concerned about. Um, you know, but other than that, you know, we have Taliban running around in, uh, in uh, military uniforms now. So, you know, we, we officially uh, we paid for their wardrobe by, uh, you know, Joe Biden's decision to uh, go ahead and uh, withdraw there early. Uh, another interesting development, uh, the brother of President Ghani, the globalist, uh, the globalist pig who was the uh, leader of Afghanistan, the president, uh, his brother, his brother has sworn allegiance to the Taliban. So it's kind of like, well, what is that all about? You know, and and it kind of makes you wonder if there's another story there. And apparently ISIS has returned. OK, now this is what I was talking about. You know, we don't got to worry about the Taliban trying to sneak in with the refugees. It's going to be ISIS and Al Qaeda. Uh, those guys are the ones that are going to be trying to sneak in with the refugees here into America. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it seems it seems that uh, the Taliban will have their hands full uh, trying to uh, to keep the country that they have just uh, overthrown, I guess you could say. Uh, but but just a whole bunch of other things, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, the Biden's uh, Biden's uh, State Department printed up a whole bunch of blank. Uh, well, it didn't print. They uh, emailed a whole bunch of blank visas to everyone in Afghanistan uh, so that you as an Afghanistan citizen or you as a member of the Taliban could print up this convenient visa and uh, secure your road, your trip down to the good old United States of America. Hmm. You see, all of these factors, guys, just makes you wonder what the heck, you know, even Tucker Carlson, though. Uh, and I don't watch Tucker, but I did hear about it. You know, even Tucker had said something to the, the effect that uh, even the media are turning on Biden. So something else is going on here. There's definitely another story going on here, you know, and I don't know that it has anything to do with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's new articles of impeachment that she's issued against uh, Joe Biden. I, I kind of doubt it, but I kind of feel like that is an angle that they would like to play up. 
uh, because now they are totally dissolving confidence in Joe Biden to their own public. I mean, we're talking about the mainstream, lamestream fake news media to their viewers, to their people. They are just shredding the confidence of Joe Biden before them. And you know how impressionable they are. That's why uh, I think there was a poll I saw somewhere that said 75% of Americans across the board feel that Joe is doing a terrible job and probably is not even, he's not even <laughs> calling the shots. And, uh, you know, uh, to those of us in this community, we are very well aware of how the, uh, the, the puppetry uh, that goes on when we're talking about installed presidents. I mean, all of them, with the exception of President Trump, you know, have been marionettes to the globalists, have been, uh, you know, have had, you know, something going up there, you know what, to uh, make their mouths move and their hands wave. And that's the way that that's been. It just so happens that uh, with uh, a man who's already uh, on the threshold of senility, if not beyond, and uh, losing his mind quicker every day, and I'm pretty sure that the pressure that he's under, uh, you know, um, exacerbates that uh, that cracking of his mental foundations. You know, I'm pretty sure uh, we're seeing it happen a lot faster. You know, we're seeing it happen a lot faster and we're seeing his deterioration coming a lot sooner. Now, a lot of us are kind of speculative exactly how long do we think that, uh, you know, illegitimate Joe will be in office before they replace him? And I'm going to have to go check my wager book because I know I made a bet with someone here somewhere. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, that's something you could t that's that's something you could have wagered in Vegas. You know, like uh, how long before Joe's out? You know, like, is it going to be a year? Is it going to be six months? I mean, he's made it to what, seven so far? Seven months so far? Proper? I mean, complete, you know? So, um, yeah, that that is something there. But something I wanted to share with you guys um, that I found to be quite interesting when we're talking about this poll where 75% of Americans don't have trust in Joe, don't think that he handled the situation right. And that in fact, he is not the one who's making the plans. He is not the one who's calling the shots. I know you guys have seen something like this before, but it was something that I caught whenever I was watching, uh, whenever I was uh, watching all the videos, you know, that all the, all the, the, the one minute and two minute clips that come out about everything that's going on. Now, um, um, you know, we, we've said several times and, you know, even, even Barry Sotero, you know, uh, Barack Obama um, had said himself and I, uh, what do you call it? And I, uh, and I paraphrase, uh, I would give anything to, uh, you know, uh, just be in my pajamas in uh, my basement eating cereal and, uh, you know, uh, be on one of the, the receiver and, uh, you know, be telling people in the air what to do off the walkie talkie. You know, uh, that was Barry Sotero. That's what he said. He said that I paraphrased it, but he said it, you know, and, uh, you know, there is also <laughs> those examples, you know, of like uh, when uh, Joe says something weird and, and it sounds like he's supposed to be following a direction and he repeats it, and, and he has really terrible timing. So uh, in this clip that I had seen, uh, and you know, I, I, could be, uh, I could be wrong about this, but um, it, it appears to me that he is listening to someone talking, okay? 
Now, this story here that I got this clip from was the story where everyone was saying, where he, uh, where the reporters ask him, do you trust the Taliban? He's all, I don't even trust you. I love you, but I don't trust you. Okay. <laughs> okay, Joe. Um, but um, yeah, so whenever I was watching this, um, you know, I mean, to most people, and, and uh, I think some of this is true, to most people, it looks like he's hesitating under that cloud of dementia. And he's confused and he doesn't know what to say. But watch his face. To me, it looks like he's waiting to hear what someone has to say. Someone who's, someone's telling him what to say. And, and um, watch this video with that context. Watch this video with the context that he's listening to someone in his ear. Watch his face and then you guys tell me what you think. But I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like he's listening to someone in his like earpiece uh, when I was watching this video. So anyways, I just want to share that with you guys real quick. Let's check it out. Fact is no longer warned. On the question of the Taliban, though, do you, are they, do you trust them now that you have to negotiate with them? I don't trust anybody, including you. I love you. But, you know, there's not a lot of people I trust uh, to look. The Taliban has a... Uh, Taliban has to make a fundamental decision. Is the Taliban going to attempt to be able to unite and provide for the well-being of the people of Afghanistan, which no one group has ever done since before, for hundreds of years? And if it does, it's going to need everything from additional help in terms of economic assistance, trade, and a whole range of things. The Taliban has said, we'll see whether they mean it or not. They're seeking legitimacy. They're seeking legitimacy to determine whether or not they will be recognized by other countries. They've told other countries as well as us, they don't want us to move our diplomatic presence completely. But they, so all, all this is all just talk now. All just talk now. And so, so far, the Taliban has not taken action against U.S. forces. So far, they have, by and large, followed through on what they said in terms of allowing Americans to pass through and the like. And I'm sure they don't control all of their forces. It's a for okay, so uh, I don't. I'm, I'm sure you guys caught it. The big one was this one. Where's he at? Right here. No, do you are they? Do you trust them? I don't trust anybody, including you. I love you, but you know, there's not a lot of people I trust uh, to look. The Taliban has a. Uh, what are they saying? What are they saying in my ear? What are they? Okay, I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. The Taliban has to make a fundamental decision. Anyways, that's just my uh, conspiracy theory for the night, guys. <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory for the night. Um, but most definitely, do you guys remember that one? Uh, it was a. Uh, it was a. It was a, a leaders forum, and uh, both. Biden and Kamala gave uh, speeches at that leaders forum. And do you remember there was an echo? They're like, we're having technical difficulties. And there was an echo and it was someone would say something and then they would say it. And uh, I was like, busted. Like they are busted. Their little pre-recording thing that they listen to and repeat Um was like basically someone had put the line into uh, the audio for that day and they were totally 100% busted. Now it was reported everywhere as a technical difficulty. 
Um, but it, what it sounded like was a pre-recording of their speech that is funneled into their ear and then they speak it. And I remember Kamala looking so frustrated and looking like, like she was just about to call it quits uh, from that. I thought it was very interesting. So anyways, yeah, that was a, that was a very, very, I I should go back and look for that. I should probably save that clip if I can find it. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, man, it was, it, that was, uh, to me, that was just one of those moments that you don't, uh, that you don't get to see all the time. So yeah. Anyways, just my thoughts there. You know, I kind of, I kind of feel like I could see through that, but then again, maybe, maybe it is just dementia. Maybe it is just uh, Joe Biden's noggin not being able to uh, really, uh, uh, you know, connect the synapses and put one and two together and uh, form a coherent sentence. Of course, I could be wrong. <laughs> Anyways. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on into the rest of our story today. Uh, real quick. Let's see. Uh, Love Warns. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, good to see you in the chat room again. Reggie V says Mo Brooks was the first one to stand up against certifying the 2020 election. He stood with President Trump. Thank you, Reggie V. All right. I can't wait to get to the Mo Brooks story tonight. <laughs> Cannot wait. We're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna just take a quick look at uh we're gonna take a quick look at Mo Brooks's record, guys, is what we're gonna do. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit. And uh, and then and then we'll uh, then we'll we'll pick everyone's brain about what why he got booed uh, when he was sitting there on the stage. Um, let's see what else do we got going on. Empress Beach, to you. Good evening. Welcome back into the chat, my friend. Um, how are you doing this evening, Nuremberg 2.0? Yep, yep, yep. Subpack Vet. Good evening, Subpack Vet. Welcome to the Sea Report. Good to see you in the chat. It's been been a minute since I've seen you, sir. Hello, everyone. And Mr. C, the been listening, but free to chat now. Excellent. Welcome on in. The friends will make you feel nice and comfy. I know you're no stranger here, sir, uh, to the foxhole. So come on in. Come on in and join the fun. Uh, Resident Biden and administration need court-martialed, says Just V. Indeed, they do. Indeed, they do. Biden and his generals and entire staff should be court-martialed. Yes. Uh, so uh, Empress, uh, Empress Beach to you seconds that thought. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, let's see here. What else we got before? Texas Gal, good evening. Welcome in. Philly Q, how are you doing? And welcome, welcome to the show. Glad to see you in the chats. And uh, let's see what else do we got. I think we're good. Okay, okay, let's go on. Oh, wait, Merkers, welcome, Doreen, and thank you for the can. And then also, uh, I think I saw one more. I want to say thank you. Just V, thank you for the shades to replace my contacts. Oh, goodness, you have no idea, Just V. Okay, so, all right, let's move on to our next story for tonight. Uh, Oh, wait, we don't have a story. I forgot, guys. We got a President Trump interview and one that I just acts. I I purely stumbled upon this. uh, It's not a long interview. It's not like an hour long or anything. It's it's you know, it's a short one, Uh, but it should be a pretty good interview. Uh, Now, this actually took place on August 20th. So that was this past Friday. Um, And it is uh, President Trump speaking with uh, Rick and Bubba. He'll speak with Rick and Bubba, but he won't come on the C report. Dang! I know, just kidding. All right, guys. So uh, let's uh, let's I, as always, we like to archive uh, President Trump's interviews and his speeches here at the C report. So uh, we'll just go ahead and uh, give a, a bit of a tent to uh, this interview with uh, one President Donald Trump, and uh, he's speaking again with Rick and Bubba. And it is an okay. honor, Rick, this hour and right now to have former President Donald J. Trump on the show. Welcome back to the show. 
Well, good morning, fellas. It's true. First radio show I did from the White House. That's exactly right. <laughs> how, could, how could I forget that? <laughs> Mr. President, uh, we've got a lot of topics yeah. we want to cover. We have a lot of questions <laughs> that, that folks want to know. First and foremost, are you going to run again in 2024, or will you be a rally man and a kingmaker behind the scene? That is the number one question we're getting from our listeners. Well, maybe both. You know, we've endorsed some great candidates, and they seem to always win. Mo Brooks is one right now. He's doing fantastically well, and he's a patriot. And we have a lot of people that we endorse. And uh, if you look at the record, the record is pretty much almost, i say, almost un unblemished. And so that's important. And on the other, because of the campaign laws, you're not allowed to really say, but I think you're going to be very happy. You guys would be very happy. A lot of people are going to be very happy when they look at what's going on. It's an absolute disgrace what's happening right now in our country. Let's unpack that. So we're, we're, the tens of thousands of people are coming to hear uh, you at this at this rally and other rallies like it that have already happened and will take place. I mean, people already on the grounds. It doesn't even happen until tomorrow night. So there's truly a, a concern that Americans have that the country is, is headed in the complete wrong direction. You've talked about it, but let's let's go. Let's get on the record here. What was your plan for us leaving Afghanistan? Because you two wanted to, us to get our troops out. Well, I, well, I wanted to get out. Twenty-one years was enough. Yeah. The opposed problem to, is the way we got out. Right. That withdrawal. Right. Ours was going to be very simple. We get the civilians out. We get others out that need to be gotten out. That's number one. Number two is we get our billions of dollars worth of equipment out. We don't leave it for these people, knowing they're probably going to be taken over as soon as we stop fighting. So they'll probably be taken over, and the Taliban would get it. So number two is we take our equipment out. Then we bomb the hell out of the bases. And then last but not least, comes out our military, and everything's done. And it would be seamless. It was simple. And a first-grade student would know you have to get your civilians out first. But I was keeping the, mili I was keeping the military equipment. But very importantly... What they've done is absolute, it's, a, it's just gross incompetence. Look, they take the military out, and now who knows what they're going to be able to get out? Who knows? Because the Taliban has totally taken over. And we have maybe as many as 45,000 people. They have 45,000 hostages. Mm. So it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You get your people, that's like the captain of a ship, jumping the ship before the people are off the boat. That's what we did. It's crazy. Nobody, a first grade student would not do that. Mr. President, given the current status of Afghanistan, where we are right now, and, and it is a mess, it is a disaster. If they call you in to fix it, what could be done? How could we fix it? Well, I had problem? a relationship with a leader. You know, I get criticized by some of the radical left. Oh, he called them. Well, who are you going to call? You call the people you're against. And I had a very strong conversation with him. And then Abdul. And I said, look, uh, here's the story. If you do anything to hurt Americans, anything that's out of line, we're going to hit you at your town, and we're going to hit you harder than anybody's ever been hit before. And we got that out of the way, and I said, do you understand that? And he said, yes, I understand that. And he did. He understood it. It would have been a whole – had the election not been rigged, this would have been – we would be in a whole different position right now. We had the strongest border, and now it's the weakest border. We had energy at $1.87 for a gallon of gasoline. Now it's going to be over $5. I mean, it's so sad to see. And then you have the Afghanistan. It, it makes everything look 
I mean, nobody's ever seen anything like this stupidity. Uh, it would have been a whole different story. All of this stuff, our economy is going to go to hell. So many things are happening. Inflation. I mean, the inflation we have is now through the roof. So you look at it and it's too bad. And all because the election was rigged and, and it's a shame. And the people of Alabama know it better than anybody. Well, there's no doubt there's a huge passion uh, for the, the way that you uh, performed as president. Uh, and, and certainly in the state of Alabama is one of those pockets. And there, there's many. So can you explain, though, because I think we have to educate. Why do we see the inflation we see now? Why do we see the gas prices we see now as opposed to when your administration was there? What did they undo that your administration did that gave us those things? Well, I'd have to speak to you for about five hours. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, some of the basic stuff. Well, first of all, the drilling. You saw the border. I mean, we had stay in Mexico. We had all these people coming out. They're emptying their prisons into our country. They're doing everything. And and I I have I had this really powerful policy: stay in Mexico. They ended that. They ended catch and you know the catch and release that I ended. That's where you catch even a prisoner, a convict. And you release them. You're supposed to release them into our country. I ended that. And it wasn't easy. I had to go through litigation for two years. But I got all of this stuff ended. Many of the things I did, they want to put back or they have put back. And we now have the most open, porous border that we've ever had, where criminals are coming into our country totally unchecked. But if you look at the inflation, it all starts with fuel prices. What they've done to the energy, we were energy independent six months ago. And now we're, I just saw where the other day they called up OPEC. Here we go again. Yep. They called up OPEC to try and get more energy sent to our country. And we had so much. I even filled up the national oil reserves, which were practically empty during my time at a very cheap price because the energy was so low. So we had this thing running like a fine, finely tuned watch. And now with, with leadership, I never realized how important the top person, the president, would be. You know, you assume it's important, and we all know it's important. But the decisions made here are absolutely horrendous. And I'll be talking about that on Saturday night in the great state. I mean, I'll be in Alabama, and I love Alabama. So, And I guess we have a big crowd coming, but we'll be talking about everything together. And... Uh, like I say, your the your listeners they get it. They get it more than just about anybody, Mr. President. With the COVID still raging on, we got the variants. Um, uh, under your plan, warp speed. These vaccines were developed. Talk to us just a little bit about that. Do, do you feel the vaccines are safe, and are you urging people to be vaccinated or not? Yeah. Number one, I want them to have their freedom, so it's really going to be their choice and. They work with their doctor, et cetera. But I took it, and it's really a great achievement. You know, in 1917, we had the Spanish flu, and it killed up to 100 million people. I think if we didn't come up with a vaccine, the same thing would have happened. So I tell them to take it. You know, I got it done in less than nine months. It was supposed to take five years. And Fauci, I'm sure you like Fauci quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, we're going to ask you about that. <laughs> Fauci sort of gave up on the project. He said there's just no way you're going to do it fast enough. And I got the FDA, who are a very bureaucratic, to put it nicely, organization. They don't like me too much, but I got them to move, and we got it done in nine months. We bought billions of dollars worth of it early, and it was, uh, you know, it's been amazing. It's been really amazing. But 
you know, some people it was it was very hurtful when Biden went out and said, uh, let's pause. You know, they pause. They don't like Johnson and Johnson, I guess, but they paused the Johnson to Johnson vaccine. And that hurt because people don't think of Johnson and Johnson. They think of a vaccine. That pause was very, very bad by them. And I think people don't trust Biden. That's why they're not taking it. Because if you remember when I was in, we were not having this problem. Everybody was rushing to get it. But I think people don't trust Biden, and that's what the problem do you, is. But do, you also we'll think, what it is. do you also think they don't trust Fauci? Because there, there's more and more people. You in the beginning, you know, you, you said, all right, this is the guy. We'll, we'll let him talk. But it seemed that you lost your trust in Fauci. Uh, give us your view of Dr. Fauci. Well, I thought he was great from the standpoint that everything he said, I did the opposite of, and it worked out well. <laughs> For instance, I closed up the border, as you know, with China, which everybody was against, including him. True. Uh, I then closed up Europe. We would have lost hundreds of thousands. We were projected to lose 2.4 million people, and we're at 600,000. It's too much, but uh, we were projected to lose much more. Had we let China pour into our country, if I didn't close it, and almost everybody was against me closing, and I was there, Pelosi, everybody. They called me a racist and everything else in the book, you know, the standard fare. But uh, people were opposed to it. You know, it was a big move. But it turned out to be right. And even Fauci said, I saved tens of thousands of lives by closing the border. And then we closed it to Europe also because we saw Italy and we saw France and we saw, you know, Spain, what was happening. So we closed it. But, no, I did a lot of things opposite. Do you remember when Fauci said, no masks, masks are bad? And now he's a radicalized masker. I mean, if you wear five masks, that's a good thing. So it's, uh, you know, he's changed a lot. He really has changed. But, uh, you know, I did a lot of things that were different. I, I listened to a lot of people, and then I formed my own opinion, basically. Mr. President, uh, a lot of us are very confused because Twitter has banned you, but they still have the Taliban on. Can you, can you give us any guidance on that? Well, these are radical left maniacs, and they have to be, they should be close to banned. I mean, what they've done is is incredible to our country. What they do is just horrible and, and incredible. You have killers, you have murderers, you have thugs, you have bad dictators, you have bad people, you have bad countries. And then they banned the president of the United States who came up with the vaccine and lots of other good things. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's not only them, it's Facebook and it's uh, Google and that whole group. They're all the same. They work together and they uh, helped to really try and skew the election. But we got 75 million votes, more than any sitting president in history by far. It wasn't even close. And 12 million more than we got the previous in 2016. So I was told if we get 1 million more votes, just 1 million, we win. We got 12 million, and they say we didn't win, but the people know we did win. So, you know, it's just a terrible thing. It was a rigged deal. Well, President, uh, one final question, and we'll let you go. If you uh, do end up, if, say you do decide to run again, and you get okay. a chance, well, is there anything you would do different? No, I may get to Alabama a little bit sooner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll make sure that with that question, you'll be my first. Uh, you'll be my first call. But you guys have been great. No, I, look, what we did is I rebuilt the military. By the way, Space Force I sent to Alabama. I hope you know that. Yeah, yes, sent, we appreciate uh, that. Huntsville is very Force. appreciative. Yeah, they, yeah, they said that we're looking for a home. 
And I single-handedly said, let's go to Alabama. They wanted it. I said, let's go to Alabama. So, and look, I, I love Alabama. I love what they're doing. But we've done a lot. We built the military and the biggest tax cuts in history, biggest regulation cuts in history, and created the greatest economy in the history of our world. Donald Trump, thanks for being with us today, uh, President, and uh, thank you for your service to the country. You're going to love Coleman, Alabama. Yeah, you're yes, going to love you it. Are. That is Trump country. Trump country. If you want to go there, uh, just go to show notes at rickandbubba.com or just go to donaldjtrump.com. You do need to fill out that you're coming. It is free. We limit two tickets uh, per phone number, and um, that will be tomorrow at York Family Farms in Coleman. We'll be back. Rick. All right, guys. Pretty good interview. I love interviews like that when they, you know, it's just a couple guys chit chatting. You know, there's only a, there's only a couple of hosts out there that can pull that kind of thing off without being a Hannity. You know what I mean? <laughs> Pags is one of them. Um, I, I saw you guys mention him in the chat earlier, and guess what? Uh, we will have a clip with Pags on tomorrow's show, so that's coming up. And um, yeah, so uh, there you go. Uh, um, I you know. As as um, as Biden's uh, uh, regime junta uh, illegitimate administration uh, continues to decline and crumble, it's just more and more and more and more talking points for President Trump to uh, to bring up. You know, like with this deal with OPEC. Now he can now he can espouse to the world exactly what he did for our. Uh, in our energy industry and for our oil reserves, you know, which is which is a point that a lot of us forgot about, didn't know about, or it just it wasn't in the mind to be like, oh yeah, and and so that is coming up again, and of course, uh, the terrible leadership of an illegitimate administration coming to the front of things, uh, and then also also he's learned, you know, he has learned. Uh, you know, to, um, to, uh, you know, go, go a little bit easier on the whole vaccine issue. And I know it still brings a lot of consternation to patriots everywhere. And, and I get it. And I understand, uh, why it is that, uh, patriots are just like, oh, I get totally turned off when he brings up the vaccine or, uh, I hate it that he doesn't, but you know, guys, again, I will say to you all, um, president Trump is not talking to us when he is talking about those vaccines. Uh, most definitely, if we know, he knows. Now, uh, I think it was uh, always in Texas was like, did you invite President Trump to your show, Mr. C? And the answer to that would be, yes, I did. <laughs> I did. I mean, do I really think that he's going to come on to, uh, you know, uh, a, um, a show like this, a small show here on the dark, uh, dark corner of the web somewhere? Uh, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of light coming from this corner, I might add. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's tucked away. It's not like, yeah, I don't know. Anyways. So, like, um, you know, but, you know, still, I mean, I did. Um, and and I even I even took the liberty of, uh, of uh, telling him the questions that I would ask. And one of those questions was, um, you know, um, uh, your your base and the patriots of America know, you know, the harm and the danger that these um, these vaccines and these mRNA gene therapy sessions can cause. Um, so why is it that you keep on pushing that issue every time you speak? Like, that was my question to them. Maybe that's why he didn't come on. I'm just kidding. 
but anyways, anyways, so I appreciate that now he is uh, prefacing it with um, our choice, you know, uh, that to make sure that we still have the freedom to decide. Um, and again, guys, again, I mean, I understand why people in uh, the community take it personal or they just don't like it or it, every time he says the word vaccine, it just sends them into a conniption. I get it. But again, guys, think strategy, okay? This has all been a long strategy for him more so than us. All we had to do was be there to rally behind him and give him our energy and our prayers and fight in our locales where we need to. In other words, show up and 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 show out you know that's what our job was you know show up to the voting booth um show up to the public events uh support your local um you know constitutional um leaders and your uh, america first leaders that's our job okay uh spread the word live with integrity a little bit right that's us okay he has had a much harder game at this than we have, and this has been more strategy for him. So I would say, um, you know, maybe maybe it's about time that we lay down, we lay down that offense that we take to him talking about vaccines and realize that that is part of the game that he has to play. And and yes, it would help others if President Trump decried the dangers of uh, the vaccines and if uh, Trump um, um, uh, talked about, you know, the artificial um, artificialness of the pandemic, COVID-19 being real, but the pandemic being fake, right? So if he did that, though, and yes, it'd be great if he did, but if he did that, though, they would have 25th amendmented, they would have 25th amended him <laughs> at the start, because the entire world was being uh, brainwashed into this, guys. The entire world was being brainwashed by this fear. There's no way even one man of the free and, and most powerful country in the world could stand up to the entire world, let alone when two-thirds of the population don't even subscribe to what he believes. So let's see here. Jose. Oh, Thumpero says there are patriotic Americans like uh, on dialysis, like my daughter, who the clinics will force to take the vax or deny life threatening. That I'm sorry to hear that Thumperos. And um, I'm guessing I'm guessing if you felt a certain way about Trump and the vaccines. I understand that's a that's a totally different situation. I do apologize that uh, that is something that you're going through. They will make them required for life treatment compliance. You know, that is that is actually, that is so disgusting though. Like I, I mean, uh, not to not to uh, remove any any um, anything from that, but like there was an article I had read also saying something to the fact that they were gonna take people off of, um, they were gonna take people off of, uh, of uh, organ transplant, and transplant or donor lists because they did not have the vaccine or they were not vaccinated. But that has, I mean, it would help. I mean, it, while it would help, I don't know, would that help though, Thumper Rose, if President Trump were to say, don't take the vaccines, they're deadly. And the only people who are listening is me and you and everyone in this room. And the doctors aren't listening to President Trump. They're still not going to give uh, any, they're still not going to assist people without the vaccines. Do you think if President Trump said that, that that would change their opinion when they're listening and brainwashed by the CDC and that little troll Fauci? So I'm just saying, like, I mean, he was a powerful president and he commanded a lot of respect and he had a lot of influence. But point blank period, no one in the medical industry except for the America's frontline doctors would have listened to him. 
And, and that doctor needs to be sued and he needs to be sued for medical malpractice and for, for, uh, uh, he had, they have their own oaths. Ooh, man, that's making me mad. I am so sorry, Thumper Rose, that you're, you're going, you're dealing with that, but that's an entirely different can of worms right there. And that, oh my goodness, that is not even, that's not even humane. Like why, why is that person a doctor if they're going to be doing stuff like that? Like that they have no, they have no right to call that judgment. They have no right to put a value on someone's life. When, when we, like you said, we all know that this is fake. We've all seen the numbers. We all know everything about that. Um, But, but at the same time, guys, like that message about the vaccines is not for us. Um, and, 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 and even if he said something, guys, even if he said something, I, I don't think that would change what's happening now. Instead, what it would have done is it would have removed him from office sooner and they would have, they would have, um, they may would have a pariah out of him for saying those things. Um, you know, they, they would have guys, they would have. And, uh, Texas Gal says maybe frontline doctors will have a resource for you. Yeah, that's a great idea. Actually, Texas Gal, Thumper Rose, you've probably heard about America's frontline doctors. You should, you should see if you can't get a hold of them or go through some of their materials because they have a lot of resources for people in such situations. Um, thank you for that uh, recommendation, Texas Gal. Oof, man, that got my stomach churned up a little bit, guys, because <laughs> that's wrong. That is so wrong. That is so wrong, guys. Um, that is so wrong. But but again, again, President Trump saying anything otherwise. If President Trump were to be on that stage in Alabama uh, this past weekend and say, don't take the vax, they'll kill you, they're experimental, he would not have a chance if he's running, if he's running again in 2024. Like, he would not have a chance. Like, they, the media would just slaughter him. They would slaughter him. That would be an easy target for President Trump if he played their game. So anyways, man, that is some, that's some crazy stuff, guys, but, um, good conversation though, all throughout, uh, hopefully with no hard feelings and definitely with a lot of respect and love on my part, guys. Okay. All right. Let's talk now about Marjorie Taylor Greene, Marjorie Taylor Greene. What's going on with her? What is going on with her? I think this is the first time we've actually done a feature with her in it, like a story story, like, you know, a Marjorie Taylor Greene story. Now, of course, she's the hero of many and justly so. Um, you know, she's been a staunch fighter for the Republic and also the Constitution of the United States of America and for the people. She's put her uh, neck out on the line uh, many more times than those who have been in office for many, many years. And uh, she's she's still relatively new, guys. I mean, she's been there for what, uh, you know, I think like maybe two terms now. Or she's still first term, you know, like I'm not even sure myself, but uh, uh, either way, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has once again introduced articles of impeachment for illegitimate Joe, President Select, the resident in chief, Joe Biden. Uh, she has introduced three articles of impeachment. And of course, uh, these are all surrounding the most recent events going on with uh, President in chief of clowns. <laughs> Joe Biden. Let's go. Let's just go through these real quick. Uh, so uh, we know what uh, the dealio is when we're talking about this. Now, would you go away? There we go. Okay. Uh, first article would be for dereliction of duty. 
That would be including Joe Biden failed to secure the extraction of thousands of American civilians and Afghan allies before and during the withdrawal between August 14th and August 16th, 2021, putting thousands of lives in imminent danger from the Taliban. Uh, as commander in chief, Joe Biden has armed uh, has armed our enemies by leading numerous weapons, ammunition and other military equipment, which could be used against American citizens, allies and other civilians in Afghanistan. And do you guys did you guys uh, did you guys get the rundown? on like exactly what all was left behind you know like if you think about it uh, uh fast and furious had nothing on what joe biden did and it's it's kind of like uh you, you really have to wonder exactly what the heck what the heck were these guys thinking like uh what, what were they thinking that they left like all of that stuff behind i mean we're talking like what seventy-five thousand vehicles 200 aircraft six hundred thousand weapons 85 billion dollars okay so uh, i don't know what's the big picture here guys because essentially we have essentially what there is is there's a brand new government called you know the the i don't know the islamic durka durka republic of taliban right and and they have their own army now with all their own supplies and and weapons and uniforms like now they they don't look like just a hodgepodge ragtag uh you know group of sand dwellers like they actually look like an army <laughs> like a military like uh like a unit you know um and and thank you joe biden for that right uh, you know and that was the other thing i was going to say earlier about joe biden and his puppetry you know and someone else calling the shots it really seems like while he was sleeping in his basement in Delaware or wherever the heck he was, someone told the army to evacuate in the middle of the night. And I don't think he even knew about it, guys. I don't even think he knew that that was happening. Uh, but like uh, what the hell Harris says, uh, he's always been willing to sacrifice even personally himself for the greater good. Whatever that might happen to be in this situation. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. All right. Uh, next article of impeachment. Oh, wait, did I finish that one? Uh, wait, Joe Biden abandoned tens of thousands of American citizens and Afghan allies stuck in Afghanistan at danger of being captured, tortured, held hostage or for ransom or killed. And Joseph R. Biden showed grave dereliction of duty and continues to demonstrate that he is to hold the that he's unfit to hold the office of the president of the United States. The second impeachment article, the border crisis. President Biden's Department of Homeland Security has willfully refused to maintain operational control of the border as required by the Secure Fence Act of 2006. His, his actions have directly led to an increase in illegal aliens and illegal narcotics, including deadly fentanyl entering the United States. President Biden's administration willfully violated the Immigration and Nationality Act by releasing illegal aliens into the interior of the United States. The act clearly requires DHS to detain aliens seeking admission into the United States while they are processed by law. DHS does not have the option to simply release aliens into the interior of the United States. President Biden reinstituted the catch and release policies of the Obama administration and has released aliens into the interior of the United States without issuing the aliens notices to appear. Under President Biden's administration, the Department of Homeland Security terminated the migrant protection protocols, 
which provided a pathway to process claims in compliance with the law and served as a deterrent to illegal immigration and aliens making fraudulent asylum claims. As a result of President Biden's policies, the CBP encounters have increased each month uh, since he became president, since February 2021, more than 1 million aliens have been encountered by the CBP personnel at the Southwest uh, land border. In addition to illegal aliens, President Biden's policies have led to significant increase in illegal drug smuggling across the southern border. Next one says, and uh, this is... Uh, this is the last article for impeachment. Uh, the article of impeachment is for usurping congressional authority and ignoring judicial authority of the Supreme Court. Now, the funny thing about this, guys, is they have all the receipts for these violations uh, that they're impeaching him on. Uh, when you compare that to uh, when you compare that to what they had going on with President Trump. All they had was a PP dossier that was dreamed up in a bar somewhere in the United Kingdom and a lying and uh, spineless uh, um, uh, colonel was a Vindman uh, who totally made up all of the stories and uh, and has since uh, gone on to uh, write a uh, ghost, write uh, a book of uh, a memoirs was a memoirs or an autobiography where, where, wherein I think it's really going to get him. To, I think it's going to get him into trouble. That book that he has coming about his life. Uh, but anyways, in regards to the, uh, this article of impeachment, it says uh, Congress has the authority to enumerate the powers, duties, and functions to be exercised by agencies, as well as directly counteract, through later legislation, certain agency actions implementing delegated authority, the Constitution outlines that the executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States. Thus, the president serves as the chief executive officer of the executive branch of the federal government. Any regulation, guidance, or extensions made by executive departments are derived from the executive power of the president and are subject to his discretion. In September 2020, the Center uh, for Diseases, uh, Disease Control and Prevention issued an order temporarily halting residual evictions to stop the spread of COVID-19 under Section 361 of the Public Health Service Act. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, Section 361 of the Public Health Service Act whoops, gives the Secretary of Health um, and Human Services the authorization to take measures to prevent the entry and spread of communicable communicable diseases from foreign countries into the United States and between states. Uh, the CDC's order was extended by Biden, the Biden administration, in March 2021 to remain in effect through June 30th, after which it was extended again through July 31st, 2021. Justice Kavanaugh expressed on June 29th, 2021, that Congress, and not the executive branch, is responsible for taking legislative action on the eviction moratorium in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, Justice Kavanaugh explicitly stated in his opinion that, in my view, clear and specific congressional authorization via new legislation would be necessary for the CDC to extend the moratorium past July 31st. On August 3rd, 2021, the Centers for Disease Control extended their eviction moratorium until October 3rd, 2021, in direct contradiction to Justice Kavanaugh's opinion on June 29th, 2021. By these actions, President Biden has demonstrated his manifest disrespect for Congress, the American people, and the rule of law 
by usurping congressional prerogatives explicitly enumerated in the Constitution and reaffirmed by the Supreme Court. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. In a quick nutshell, the actual articles for impeachment that uh, we see uh, they are going to use to move against this uh, resident clown-in-chief. Um, we'll see where this goes, ladies and gentlemen. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? With uh, the narrative and the entire, you know, uh, the entire firewall building around Biden provided by the mainstream media, because I'm telling you guys, they're trying to get him out. That's the whole, that's one of the reasons why this is happening in Afghanistan right now. Like we were one, I mean, we were wondering how and when it was going to happen. Um, I think we're looking at it guys now, you know, I would say, don't take, uh, don't take my word for it. Da, 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 you know, like reading rainbow, don't take my word for it, you know, um, or, or don't take it to the bank, you know, like, uh, you know, hoods, Pelosi, you know, uh, Nancy Piglosi. Um, but, uh, something about my spidey senses is saying, uh, that uh, this might very well be the narrative that they were looking for. Or maybe it's just the start of something bigger. Uh, on the road to impeachment, something else is going to happen. Who knows? Right now, uh, things are getting pretty hot. I guess they said uh, they, I guess they said August was going to be a hot month, right? Hmm. Wait till September. Wait until September, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys. All right. So let's go on to our next story. A quick update from Maricopa County. Because, in fact, guys, we cannot lose our eyes on the prize. We have to keep our eye on the ball, keep our eyes set on the goal, and that is to see these audits through and, uh, and see that they will make some movement. So in order to do that, uh, we will once again invite our dear friend, the lovely Dr. Kelly Ward, because, you know, guys, once this audit's over and once that report is released to the general public, there's no telling if we'll ever see Dr. Kelly Ward again. Oh, it's already been so long since she's been last on the show. All right, guys, here's Dr. Kelly Ward with a quick audit update from America's Audit, the audit in Maricopa County, Arizona. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America's Audit Update from the Republican Party of Arizona. I am your chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward. Now, we are being told by the audit team that their report is going to be delivered to the Arizona State Senate early next week. The State Senate is going to review the results for clarity and for accuracy, and then they're gonna release the final report to the public. Now, like all of you, I am anxiously awaiting that final report. Now, opponents of the audit are apparently anxious about that report too, they can't wait. In the last 24 hours, Democrat Secretary of State, radical, leftist, progressive, Trump supporter hating Katie Hobbs, released what she named a report on the partisan review of the 2020 general election in Maricopa County. The media, they dubbed it a pre-buttle. In other words, she's making up stories to misinform and mislead the public, as usual. The ridiculous, ridiculous Maricopa County recorder who's been vocal in his disdain for the audit put out an open letter to Maricopa County, hilariously pious. Remember, he doesn't want attention. He wants the office to be boring again. But he did have time to put on makeup and head over to CNN and to MSNBC to avoid any attention. 
Of course, these fantasies were sent out to their liberal allies in the media and rolled out in a press conference by a supposedly nonpartisan group. I'm sure no sane person read Richard's 38-page manifesto and even fewer watched their performance. Am I in a time warp here? These opponents are responding to the audit before the report has even been given to the state Senate. Do they have a crystal ball? Can they see into the future? I don't think so. But what they do have, what they do have is smoke and mirrors. Hobbs tried to criticize the audit for not having adequate security procedures. But many, many observers praised the audit for how secure it was. It was much greater security than ever existed at the Maricopa County Tabulation Center. Of course, Hobbs fails to comment on the breach of the Maricopa County election system that occurred shortly before the election. Hey, Katie, omissions are also lies. The Maricopa County Recorder's open letter. Oh, it is as sad a communication I've ever, as I've ever seen, that has come from an elected official. It's filled with numerous woe is me anecdotes and undeserved, unfounded, and even egregious attacks on audit contractors. Ironically, there is a section entitled, I was never anti-audit. O-M-G. He's a comedian. Actions speak louder than words, Stevie. This county recorder has tried to hinder the audit at every step of the way. It's embarrassing he's a Republican. Responding ahead of time to a report that has yet to be filed is not responsible governing. These two sets of documents were very, very long, lengthy, and they were released at the same time. This is not a response to the audit. It is a naked attempt to control the narrative. The shiny object they hope that uninformed people will glom onto. We're not falling for this spin. We're not falling for the spin, and we are going to continue to fight to make sure that people get the facts. We are so, so grateful for all of you, for your support of our courageous state senators and fighting for these adversarial forces. Um, contributing to the American America First Republican Party goes a long way to making sure that we can continue to provide reports, we can fight on offense legally, and we can support and defend our heroic senators who are seeing this through. We all know that the, the Democrats are going to try to descend on them to remove them for doing the work of the people. We are going to continue to keep you up to date on all of the developments as we get them. So that's it for today. And remember, here at the Republican Party of Arizona, it is always America first. Yeah. Wait. See you next time. There we go. I wanted to make sure we got her smiling in the face on there. <laughs> I love Dr. Kelly Ward. I love Dr. Kelly Ward. Um, yeah, so, uh, th there's, th there's a little bit of information coming out there. Now, uh, <laughs> so when it comes to, she's a very bubbly, bubbly nature personality. I totally agree. I totally agree. Aurelius says, uh, what show is she auditioning for? Why Aurelius, didn't you hear? <laughs> she's auditioning for the Lush Report with Mr. C. Uh, we were out having margaritas at Casa Dos Margaritas just before that. Couldn't you tell? No, just kidding. I'm just playing. I am just playing. I respect Dr. Kelly Ward. <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyways, uh, yes, indeed, guys. So um, the because uh, uh, you know, you know, we hear a whole bunch of things. You know, Joe Van Pulitzer was out there saying that the uh, audit would be released on Friday. Of course, th there is such a thing as miscommunication, even if it's well intentioned, right? Um, and that's all well and good. You know, then we heard what it'll be released on Monday. Oh wait, it's gonna be released on Wednesday. Oh wait, it seems like it's gonna be before the end of the month. Hold your horses, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've waited this long, and uh, and with just cause, we'll wait just a little bit longer. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Um, audit spokesman Randy Poland did say that the uh, machine recount numbers were finally delivered last Thursday. Oh, you see, so the machine recount numbers were delivered last Thursday to the audit team. So, you know, they have to make sure they get that in the report there also. He expects that the uh, final report will be available to the public by the end of this month. Um, it says that uh, the report will show the audits team's ballot count versus the county's count, the batch discrepancies, and other ballot discrepancies found in the three-layered forensic analysis of the ballots. Uh, the auditors have finally received the images. Now, here's a bit of new development, ladies and gentlemen. The auditors actually finally received the images of the mail-in ballot envelopes which was a very important piece of the puzzle and essential that was missing. And uh, so they will actually shortly begin, begin the envelope analysis phase of the audit. Okay. Okay. So that's what we're talking about here. That's why it's taking a little bit longer. Now you remember guys, the whole thing with the uh, routers and the passwords and stuff like that, that's still not been turned into them. Um, you know, uh, what, what, what do we even, Bronovich has not responded yet. Uh, they had until like, I think it was last week to uh, respond by them. I mean, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors uh, to respond to Bronovich's request, um, which was initiated by Senator Sonny Borelli and uh, into an investigation of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors uh, and their, uh, their uh, subpoenas that they're ignoring there. So... You know, um, uh, if they had turned over those routers and passwords, we probably wouldn't see the report until September, you know, but uh, they received the envelopes, the images of the mail-in ballot envelopes. Wonder what that's going to show, right, guys? So for these envelopes, guys, um, if you guys remember, there were many affidavits that were signed that say the county stopped verifying signatures, Okay. And that there was also a large number of affidavits that said residents were not were residents were receiving mail-in ballots for dead people or for people who were formerly at their residence. Okay, now these are on affidavits. Now with these images of mail-in ballot envelopes, they should be able to verify per ballot, per envelope, if they are in fact legitimate which would also verify if a dead person's voting, well, who the heck signed for them? And if someone who previously lived at that address is no longer there, then why in fact was an envelope signed and returned and did that envelope match the ballot, etc.? So uh, a lot of stuff will come from this envelope analysis. This might be yet like what, the 10th nail in the coffin of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Secretary of Snakes, Katie Hobbs, and Dominion in toto. 
So that is something very interesting and exciting to look forward to, I would say. I think it is worth the wait only because we need to know every single way that these guys did what they did for a fact. Who that? Who is that? Oh, it's Jake Corman. My bad. For a fact, so that this way uh, we can figure out exactly how we're going to handle this moving forward and what to look for in other states as well as we progress along in the audits of every state in this union. All right, guys, that brings us <laughs> that brings us to our next story for tonight, and that involves one Mo Brooks, current representative of Alabama's 5th District and uh, Senate hopeful for the following election there in the state of Alabama. Now, ooh, boy, who would have thought by bringing up Mr. Brooks, this would be a highly contentious topic for tonight. Now, the only reason why I even dug into this tonight, guys, is because, uh, A, there was a lot of question amongst the friends of whether or not this guy was a rhino. Now, looking at the man, if we are just going to judge him visually speaking, uh, I mean, one could say this is a career politician who resembles every other rhino there is in the legislature. <laughs> but that would not be fair. Okay. Now, um, now I do know, or I should say I did know for a fact, uh, you know, before digging into Mo Brooks, because honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about the man. Uh, but, what, but what I did know is that he had been endorsed by President Trump in the past. Uh, most re He was actually one of his first endorsements uh, this year, uh, sometime around March, where he endorsed Mo Brooks for the Senate seat in Alabama. And uh, he was endorsed by President Trump, uh, you know, in the prior election season. So uh, this man already has the confidence of uh, President Trump, you know. Um, but the question was asked, you know, during President Trump's rally as we were watching it, uh, you know, on Saturday live here at Mr. C Channel, um, uh, if this guy was a rhino. And, and uh, you know, um, President Trump was uh, was was indeed, uh, you know, sh bringing a lot of attention to Mo Brooks, uh, uh, almost to a point that it seemed like uh, the times that he really shined the spotlight down on individuals just so that their sins would radiate oh so much brighter and oh so much hotter. Could have been a strategy. That's a strategy that President Trump has used in the past. But, ladies and gentlemen, what we did not do here at the C-Report, because during President Trump's rallies, we'll, we'll usually cover uh, Trump exclusively. Uh, Mike Lindell gave a speech on Saturday, so we did listen to his speech. Uh, but we did not listen to the rest of the rally. So we did not listen to Mo Brooks's speech during that rally. Come to find out, um, Mo Brooks almost felt the full ire of the uh, America First conservative, patriotic, MAGA movement, a la one Michelle Eugenti Rita. You remember that clown from Arizona when she went up on stage and they booed her the heck off over at the rally in Phoenix a, a few weeks back? Almost Mo Brooks experienced exactly what it means to get on the wrong side of MAGA and on the wrong side of, you know, God-fearing, America-loving patriots because he made a statement that uh, I would not say if I were running for office. Uh, 
uh, let's take a real quick look. And, and, you know, again, like this is all kind of like on the uh, on the election audit recall, all that wave uh, having to deal with elections. Mo Brooks went ahead and said something about 2020 that, you know, when we go over Mo Brooks's history, I'm sure it it may even have thrown President Trump for a loop. We'll leave it at that. Let's take a look at this quick, a clip real quick. Let's be clear. Godless, evil, amoral, socialist Democrats are on the march. And we have to fight back and we have to beat them in 22 and we have to beat them in 2024. Now, our choices are very simple. There are some people who are despondent about the voter fraud election theft in 2020. Folks, put that behind you. Put that behind you. Yes! Look forward! Look forward! Look forward! Beat them in 2022! Beat them in 2024! Mr. Brooks had to find a way to rebound off of that statement, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not going to uh, make any assessments otherwise in regards to that. Like I said, that is something that you don't want to say. Everyone in that audience knows about the fraud. Everyone in that audience is probably, if not following, at least closely familiar with the audits and what's going on. I mean, if they listen to the C report, we got you covered, baby. Like we talk in Michigan, we talk in Georgia, we talk in Arizona, we're talking New Hampshire. We're talking about all of that. You're one of the first here on this platform doing that, you know, and he, you don't say that kind of thing to a group like that. Okay. <laughs> Didn't he watch Arizona? Okay. So I'm not going to make a judgment on, uh, on why he said that if I were going to be a complete, uh, completely, um, completely neutral on the point. I would say, uh, you know, he has good intentions uh, because he's saying we need to win in 2022-2024. But to be quite contrite, one knows that there cannot be a 2022 or a 2024 if 2020 is not first resolved, okay? And you would think that a gentleman like Mo Brooks would know that because he was like one of the first, if not the first, to um, to stand up for President Trump and 
hold the 2020 elections as a fraud and and even more so call for the electors to be recalled. Okay, that was Mo Brooks. So why would he then stand up on stage at a MAGA rally and say something like that? I don't know the way this man works or thinks. Well, I, I, I should say based on his track record, which we're going to look at right now, um, we can say we do know how he works, how he thinks, maybe not so much. Uh, maybe, maybe he, maybe it was a well-intended state statement, you know, maybe it was a well-intended statement, but, uh, that's not the kind of thing that will go over well. And, you know, um, that, that's, that's something that's also been said over there by dear old Larry Elder in California, when he was asked what he thought about the 2020 presidential election. And, uh, that sent some red flags up, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I don't know elder enough. I haven't listened to him speak enough, um, to say if maybe this guy's just totally ignorant, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that's not the kind of thing that you want to say. Okay. Um, but let's, let's take a real quick look at what Mo, Mo Brooks has done and some of his history. Uh, and maybe we can demystify some of these rumors, you know, and, and the question then would be, is he a rhino? Which, I mean, honestly, I don't feel like he is. Um, but at the same time, you know, rhinos are very good at camouflage, guys. They're very good at camouflage. Uh, and, and it is rhino hunting season, but I wouldn't want to take this man out on a mistake. You know what I mean? Okay. So, I mean, it would, it would take a closer examination of some of the things that he's doing currently or perhaps digging even further into his past. Now, Mo Brooks has served as a Republican representative of Alabama in District 5 since 2011. Okay, so um, 2011. Prior to that, he was a state representative in Alabama, and that was from 1982 until 1991. So you could say he's a career politician. I would say if you're going to be looking for any hints, receipts, or evidence that Mo Brooks is a rhino, you're going to want to look at the work that he did as a state representative. And that's where you're going to find anything, that's the, anything that stinks will be buried in there. Um, uh, in 1991, he became the district attorney of Madison County. Um, and between 1995 and 1996, he was appointed as the state special assistant attorney general for Alabama, working underneath attorney general Jeff Sessions. Now, um, I know a lot of things kind of went sideways with Sessions towards the end of uh, his tourney there with President Trump and his administration. But I've always trusted Sessions, even though people say he was a racist, but I don't know that to be true. But if Brooks worked with Sessions, um, I mean, I would say that would only work in the favor of Brooks as per, you know, some sort of uh, some sort of uh, a buffer against the uh, the uh, rhino hunting machine that has become the American patriot who's tired and sick of these lying politicians. Right. OK, 
So anyways, um, after uh, his work with uh, Jeff Sessions at 96, he worked as the Madison County Commissioner until 2010. And then, of course, after that, he was elected to a state representative in District 5 of Alabama. So that's where he's been. That's what his career looks like as a politician. And indeed, that's a career politician for you. He's a lawyer also. So, you know, I mean, he's not far away from the uh, the rhino farm, you know, out over there. But at the same time, uh, you know, he there are a lot of concessions uh, to that opinion because of the work that he's done. Now, let's take a look at some of his like uh, his work as um, as a lawmaker and stuff like that. Now, he has fought against amnesty for illegal aliens, does not like it, is not about it. He's railed against the socialist takeover in Washington, D.C. He is pro-citizen's choice when it comes to the COVID vaccination. Uh, he believes, too, that China should pay reparations to the United States of America and the world for the coronavirus um, 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 a weapon, bioweapon that has been unleashed upon us all. Uh, he co-sponsored a bill titled uh, Title X Abortion Provider, uh, Provider Prohibition Acts. So uh, under this abor Abortion Provider Prohibition Act, uh, basically what that would do is it would strip federal funding from uh, agencies such as Planned Parenthood since they uh, perform abortions, you know, which I think I totally agree with that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he, Brooks has also said, we cannot continue to be the world police, okay? And, uh, and he also um, expressed disappointment in the United States military for not leaving Afghanistan after Osama bin Laden was taken out in 2011. Okay, so I'm sure we can uh, figure what he thinks about the situation in Afghanistan now. Um, let's see here. Uh, if you guys remember the uh, the shooting that took place at the congressional ball game. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's nothing to laugh about. But um, after that happened, Brooks introduced a bill into Congress called the Congressional Self-Defense Act, wherein lawmakers could carry concealed weapons. Uh, he opposed Juneteenth or the, the June 19th, the federal holiday for whatever the heck that thing is for. Um, uh, he also supports uh, the National Security Agency's power to collect telephone metadata on Americans um, uh, saying that uh, it, it has potential to thwart terrorists. So, you know, if anyone was confused, yes, the NSA does collect telephone metadata from Americans, uh, but um, he does believe, uh, uh, but in 2014, he supported the USA Freedom Act, um, which uh, if it were passed, would rein in the dragnet collection of data by the NSA and other government agencies, and it would increase transparency on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court um, and provide businesses the ability to re release information regarding FISA requests. So there's a little bit on how he feels about, uh, you know, um, uh, privacy and security in that regard. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, he has been a staunch Trump supporter. Um, since uh, since um, 2018, uh, during the Republican primary uh, for Brooks' seat, he said he was a Trump supporter in response to criticism for his from his opponent that had criticized President Trump. So I guess that was during his re-election bid. Uh, Trump endorsed Brooks in 2018, saying Brooks fought by my side to secure our border, rebuild our military, cut our taxes, repeal Obamacare, and build the wall. And Brooks also opposed Trump's first impeachment. 
On March 25th, 2019, shortly after Attorney General um, Billiam Barr, the B2 Blubberwell Beluga Butthole, um, uh, uh, Barr's summary of the Mueller report was released. Brooks read a passage from Adolf Hitler's 1925 biography, Mein Kampf, on the House floor, comparing the Democrat Party to the Nazi Party. Uh, so that's uh, that's pretty dramatic, guys, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure well received, right? <laughs> In April of 2021, Trump announced his endorsement for Brooks for Senate. So I was wrong. I said March. It was April. I'm fallible. Um, after Joe Biden was projected to be the winner of the 2020 election, Brooks uh, defended Trump and made claims of fraud. He argued that most mail-in voting was unconstitutional and that if only lawful voters uh, votes by eligible American citizens were cast, Donald Trump won the Electoral College by a significant margin. His assertion that the election was stolen by extraordinary voter fraud and election theft measures were unsupported by evidence. And this is according to an article um, that I found on him. So um, obviously that article doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, it says on December 10th, 2020, Brooks was one of 126 Republican members of the United States House of Representatives to sign an amicus brief in support of Texas versus Pennsylvania. You remember when we had like 20 something states uh, suing Pennsylvania um, for disenfranchising voters around America? Uh, yep, that, he was one of them that signed that lawsuit. The lawsuit was filed at the United States Supreme Court contesting the results of the 2020 presidential election. And also, Brooks was the first member of Congress to announce his objection to the January 6, 2021 certification of the Electoral College results. In December, he organized a series of White House meetings between Trump and a dozen Republican lawmakers to strategize about how to overturn the election results on January 6th. On that date, he was the first speaker at a pro-Trump rally. In the speech, he harshly criticized other Republicans in Congress for not aiding him in his efforts to overturn the election. So there's a little bit of the good things about Mo Brooks that I could find. Um, and again, I dug, dug, dug for rhino-like articles on this man. Um, to see, you know, maybe Mo Brooks, uh, you know, endorsed a rhino somewhere, or maybe Mo Brooks was, um, I don't know, um, um, uh, flip-flopping in his state legislature over certain items, but I could not find them, guys. So um, other than this severe gaffe that Mo Brooks made at the rally, you don't want to say something like that, Mo Brooks. And, you know, what, what? maybe I'll make an excuse for him. Maybe he was trying to energize Alabama to stay actively involved in the elections and politics in Alabama. Maybe that's why he was saying 2022, 2024. Maybe he was saying, don't be discouraged. The president Trump is not on the ticket. We still need you there to get America first patriots into office. That's my excuse for Mo Brooks. Other than that, Mo, you put a spotlight on yourself, buddy. <laughs> So just be aware of that. Just be aware of that. Yeah, don't go. You don't go denying something that you fought so hard for because he did it. I read it to you guys. He fought hard against this fraud in 2020. He fought hard against the 2020 presidential elections being stolen from the American people, not just from President Trump. But yet he goes up there on stage and says, we need to put that behind us. I'm sorry, Mo. 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 
Mo, it doesn't work like that. Because there is no 2022, there is definitely no 2024 until we resolve the issues with 2020, period. And uh, that's all I got to say about Mo Mo Brooks for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I got to say about Mo Brooks. Hope you guys are doing well over there in the chats. I see you guys are filling it up quite nicely. Thank you so much. And uh, let's get on with our next stories, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we're heading over to California. California. All right, guys, let's talk a little bit about where we're, you know, the theme for tonight seems to be, you know, evolving around elections of certain types, right? Okay, so uh, recall, let's talk a little bit. So the recall is still up and in action in California. Now, don't forget, the recall date is set for September 14th. All you have to do is vote yes. You want to recall Gavin Newsom and uh, history will take care of itself from there. Um, But uh, to be sure, a couple of stories revolving around the recall in California. Ah, what's this here? A little bit more voter fraud going on in the state of California, I see. Now, if you guys remember the last time we talked about voter fraud in California, I think it was on Thursday of last week. Uh, what was that? Uh, we had envelopes wherein uh, the postal carriers could see if you voted yes or no to impeaching or sorry, to recalling uh, Gavin Newsom, gruesome, gruesome Newsom, uh, uh, wherein they could toss the ballots if they didn't agree with you. And I'm sure they'd find a way to make them not agree with people who wanted to impeach Gavin gruesome Newsom. Uh, what was the other one? The, there was a fold. There was a fold on Larry Elder's name on the ballot which means that uh, that ballot would not be read by the uh, machines, the voting machines, vote tabulating machines, and the vote would either be disqualified or it would be pushed into adjudication, wherein a supporter of Gavin Gruesome Newscomb could vote that uh, they didn't mean to vote for Larry Elder. Those are two of the um, uh, two of the frauds that we've seen already coming from California ahead of the recall election in California. Okay, so uh, what's the what's the next bit of election fraud that we're seeing now? We don't have a hard line on the fact that this is indeed election fraud, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, if if there's any semblance of memory uh, regarding the 2020 presidential election and people, postal carriers running away and dumping President Trump ballots and Republican ballots with, uh, you know, stealing uh, boxes and crates of ballots and trying to flee to California or dumping them in a sewage drain somewhere, you know, in Canada. I think I got those two backwards, but you guys get what I mean, right? So while there's not a hard line of evidence that this is in fact voter fraud, I wouldn't put it past, uh, you know, the corrupt, uh, corrupt Democrats and liberal sympathizers in California, nor would I put it past uh, an office like Gavin Gruesome Newscomb uh, to uh, hire someone to do this kind of work. Now, out of Torrance, California, um, the police department has reported an arrest of a man who was found in possession of Xanax, a loaded firearm, methamphetamines, and thousands of recall ballots. Now, one may ask, what is a man doing with a downer, a firearm, an upper, and thousands of recall ballots? 
Indeed, why would anyone have thousands of recall ballots in their car with them? Thousands. Look, you see that picture behind him? Those are some of the ballots, guys. Thousands of recall ballots found in a man's car. According to reports, a Torrance police officer was called to check up on a man that was passed out in his SUV at a 7-Eleven parking lot. Because you see, after five days on a methamphetamine binge, the man took some Xanax and he was out like a light, right? That's... <laughs> Anyways, after the uh, after the after the officer did not get a response from the man in the vehicle, the officer further investigated the situation and was able to find a loaded firearm, Xanax, meth, and mail. The ballots are more than likely from California's ongoing recall election, which is an attempt to remove Democrat Governor Gavin Grusom Newsom, and in return replace him with Republican Larry Elder. So uh, the news report actually already kind of projected it out there that the whole goal is to get Larry Elder in. We'll see what happens in that regard. But uh, if anything else develops out of this story, guys, I will let you all know. But thousands of recall ballots to what avail, right? Like, why would this man... Do you think he was... Um, scheduled to do a drop-off later on of those ballots after election night? Do you think that recall night 2020 in 21 in uh, California is going to look anything like the uh, 2020 presidential elections? Do you think that they will be counting ballots well into the night? Do you think there will be a sudden mysterious drop of thousands of ballots in California? You know what? Maybe not, because that was probably this man's job. <laughs> And he done got busted. Never hire a drug addict to do a job if it's important. And that's all I got to say about that. All right. Okay. So interesting story there. If anything else comes out of these developments, if they uh, wake the man out of his stupor and they find out uh, his intentions with those ballots or why he had them or where he got them from, we will share that with you guys. All right. Next story. Oh, what are you doing so far off center? Oh, wait, because you are Gavin Grusom Newscom. Okay. Uh, here's a real quick story on uh, Gavin Gruesome Newscom. Now, um, apparently, okay, so this story has to deal with his um, um, ele uh, election chances or his uh, not being recalled chances. Because here you go, guys, you had uh, the entire legislature, which is basically Democrat over in California, um, assisting and aiding Gavin Newsom, Gruesome Newscom, in this recall by moving up the audit date to September. It should have been in October. Right. Uh, because I guess back when they did this in uh, what, July or August, July, maybe they felt that, uh, according to polls, Gavin Gruesome Newscom had pretty good chance of not being recalled uh, because people are favoring what he's done. And then like two weeks later, he went into complete lockdown again. He started mandating masks. He gets uh, he gets busted with his child having no mask on his child caught without a mask on, among other things, guys, among other things. Well, now this uh, if, if, if things were not going to, if, 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 just kidding, uh, if things are not going to get any more difficult for Gavin Gruesome Newscom, they're about to, uh, because, um, a state audit report has just been released, ladies and gentlemen, and it highlights the mismanagement of the Gruesome Newscom administration, 
um, in regards to key agencies in the state of California. A report released by the California State Auditor last week highlighted glaring problems of mismanagement in key state agencies under control of Gavin Grusomnuskum. Um, the report uh, went to say that these were high risk to the state. Uh, and uh, the report reads, we describe in this report seven high risk statewide issues that include aspects of water infrastructure, information security, and state management of COVID-19 federal funds. We also conclude that five state agencies meet our criteria, criteria for posing a high risk. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, the California Department of Technology, the California Department of Healthcare Services, the California Department of Technology, oh wait, uh, the California Department of, oh, Public Health, I apologize, and the California State Teachers Retirement System. Finally, we have removed state oversight of K-12 through education funding from our state high-risk list because the state has made sufficient progress towards controlling risk factors. Okay, so uh, that's a lot on the bill for one Governor Gruesome. And uh, it seems like his report card is not coming out too well at all. You know that this is going to hurt him. Um, you know, you know, his opponents are probably going to run away with this information as well. They should. Uh, now let's talk about two, uh, two, um, two primary areas here, two timely areas um, of primary concern in regards to this release, this report that came out. Now, one of them would be the Employment Development Department in California. Now, the EDD is the agency through which Californians are supposed to obtain unemployment payments and compensation for maternity leave. But fraud and mismanagement have led to billions of dollars in losses for this agency. The EDD system has sent unemployment checks to prison inmates while truly deserving Californians wait for months for money that they need. Uh, the report says in regards to the EDD and its management or mismanagement for that matter, the EDD did not take substantive action to bolster its fraud detection efforts for its unemployment insurance program until months into the pandemic, resulting in payments of about $10.4 billion for claims that it has since determined may be fraudulent. Talk about a severe mismanagement of taxpayer money, right? Uh, in regards to the water's infrastructure issues, uh, the auditor warned the condition of some of the state's potentially most hazardous dams and the related emergency planning remains a concern. Many dams still do not have approved plans for an emergency Moreover, in the midst of an extreme drought with plans delayed for a tunnel to bring more water from Sacramento, from the Sacramento River into the state's aqueduct system, there are lingering concerns about California's ability to maintain reliable access to water. The report also notes weaknesses in the state's information security, which Walters, the report writer, says is a particular problem for Gruesome Newsome, because Newsome has long portrayed himself as a high-tech maven 
even writing a book suggesting that technology could expand efficiency and accountability in public service. Good job, Governor Grusom. Good job. All right, guys. So that's going to be another problem for uh, Grusom Newsom moving forward. Um, uh, may, may it be said, may it be written, may it be true, and may everyone spread that word far and near, guys. Uh, I think... Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe the uh, California legislature, you know, um, uh, you know, boondoggled this entire um, this entire uh, election recall and moved it up early uh, because it wasn't because uh, he had fair polling results and uh, it showed that maybe he wouldn't be recalled if they moved it up early. Maybe it's because they knew a lot more bad things would come up by October. <laughs> It's quite possible, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Who's this man? Who's that man? Oh, it's Larry Elder. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Larry Elder again with the recall elections. Okay. So Larry Elder is the top contender, as it would seem, for the governor's office there in California for this recall session. Uh, he's got, uh, he's, he's well known. People know this man. He he has a familiar name. I think that probably buys him the most is the, the recognition that he has. Aside from being a Republican and also a conservative, um, you know, they can say all the mean things they want about this man. But if in the end, this man truly believes that President Biden, uh-huh, you know, so I said President Biden, because that's what he said, one fair and square. Larry, I hope you're playing politics. I don't put it past the man. I don't put it past the man. Because uh, in a state like California that supposedly stayed blue, right? Because I think it went red during 2020. Um, uh, that could be detrimental to his uh, to his recall bid. Uh, I mean, you could see the headlines now. Uh, conservative hack and right-wing racist KKK member Larry Elder believes the big lie. Or, you know... Conspiracy theorist KKK member Larry Elder thinks that Biden stole the election. What a fraud, right? That's that's the headline that we would have seen all over California if when asked if Larry Elder, uh, if President uh, Biden won the 2020 election fair and square. If he'd answered contrary-wise, that's probably the headline we would have seen. Now, like I said at the beginning of this report, I don't know Larry Elder's mentality or way of speaking enough um, or at all, truly, to say whether or not he's playing politics or if he truly believes it. I know when I watched that clip, he looked very sincere and genuine uh, about saying that President Trump lost and President Biden won fairly and squarely, you know, but again, I did. I mean, I was like, dude, you know what you're saying? I was like, you know, you're going to lose all of the support in California if that gets out of the bag and far. Right. Um, but, you know, then again, um, Republicans are not the only ones who are voting in this recall election. There are a lot of Dems also who are coming out. Maybe not as many as there are conservatives. Maybe not as many as there are the number of liberals in the state of California, but, you know, they are still there as well. So I'm not making an excuse for Larry Elder, um, you know, uh, but uh, I mean, I would not say that. I mean, I, I mean, I would stick, stick true to my guns either way. 
regardless of whether or not they put out a bad headline or, you know, it looks bad for public relations. But nevertheless, Larry Elder said it. Now, why are we talking about Larry Elder right now? It's because since he is the top contender, you know, they keep trying to block his path to the seat of the governor, right? Uh, now, most recently, uh, it seems that uh, California officials have opened an investigation into Larry Elder. Now, first they denied him a spot on the ballot. Now they're going to go after him with an investigation because they need to be uh, 100% sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that Larry Elder did not fail to properly disclose income sources. So here we go again, ladies and gentlemen. This is where they start attacking them all. Okay, right? Yes, a lawsuit has begun. Now, um, the GOP candidate Larry Elder made a simple mistake on one of the income disclosure documents and his campaign already fixed the error. Okay, now this is reported from the Los Angeles Times. California regulators have launched an investigation into whether recall election gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder failed to properly disclose his income sources. A spokesman with the Fair Political Practices Commission confirmed on Sunday. Elder's initial filing was only two pages long and only showed income from a from Lawrence A. Elder and Associates Incorporated. A Times article earlier this month first reported that Elder likely failed to properly disclose his finances because he appeared to own the company, meaning he was also required to report ownership in the business as well as income sources to the company above certain amounts. After the Times story, the California Democrat Party filed a complaint with the Fair Political Practices Commission alleging that Elder failed to properly disclose the business and its source of income. Elder, a conservative radio show host, amended the document to show that Elder owned 100% of the company and that it is worth between $100,000 and $1 million dollars. His exact wealth is difficult to determine because the state requires disclosure in broad dollar ranges. Elder is the leading contender vying to replace Gavin Grusom Newsom in the September 14th recall election. And again, his uh, campaign manager did state that uh, they made a mistake and they fixed it as soon as possible. And that uh, these types of investigations are quite common in the world of campaign and politics. Um, so we'll see where this ends up. Um, indeed, the uh, a letter from the FPPC um, stated that uh, while there is an open investigation, they had not made any determination about the validity of the allegations um, and whether or not he will be held culpable um, uh, of uh, those allegations should they come into light. So there you go, guys. That's uh, another 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 uh, dredge in the path of a man on his way to replace Gavin Gruesome Newsom. And either way, ladies and gentlemen, it's not looking good for Gavin Gruesome Newsom. I mean, I would not I would not vote on him. That's for dang sure. But but for a fact, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Elder is not the only horse in the race, it would seem, uh, for quickly coming up from, uh, you know, deep six behind the shadows, we have a brand new contender who is being touted as the top GOP representative for the state of California. And, uh, this, uh, this young man, I keep saying young man, but he's like two years younger than me. Anyways. Okay. This young man, 
<laughs> this young man, uh, this young man was introduced to me by one of our viewers. Just be, you know who you are. Uh, Kevin Kylie is his name. That is the man right there, Kevin Kiley. He is an assemblyman uh, working in the 6th District of California in Sacramento and has been representing his constituency since 2016. So uh, this man has begun to make a name for himself in the state of California. Um, now, as, as names go and also um, familiarity, I mean, obviously... The reach that Larry Elder has compared to an individual like Kevin Kiley is far, far, far more vast, you know, uh, than held by this assemblyman. So if it was a race just to get a conservative into the office and it's a it's a, an elder Kylie toe to toe um, because uh, forget about Jenner. <laughs> no one cares about Jenner. I mean, his 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 tanks already out of gas anyways so like uh if it were between kylie and elder i mean i mean just by familiarity with the name of elder i would say elder would take the office of governor in the state of california whereas kylie is a rising star um i see a lot of potential in this man's future um, I could see him being on the national level um, as far as a representative or a senator, uh, whether that be uh, in D.C. or still in California. Um, I see I, I could see this guy really coming up. Now, here's a little bit of history on Kevin Kiley, since uh, some of us may not know who he is. We're introducing him to you guys here on the Sea Report. Now, uh, Kevin Kiley, like I said, he is a Sacramento native and has been representing the 6th District since 2016. He is the son of a special education teacher and a former, former high school teacher. He taught in the Los Angeles School di District, um, and he has been an advocate for California families during the COVID lockdowns. Uh, he went to Yale, he got a Yale uh, law degree in Yale, um, and he has an extensive background as a former deputy attorney general. Um, he is, he's 36, in case y'all were wondering. I just aged myself. Okay. Um, and uh, let's see here. He joined fellow legislator James Gallagher in 2020 to successfully sue Governor Gruesome Newsom for violating separations of powers in his atrocious management during the pandemic. So he's already won a case against... Uh, current governor dictator gruesome newsome um and uh he's all oh it is also extremely notable that while the legislature has consistently voted for raises for themselves that's right they get to vote whether or not they're going to get you know a merit increase um even as recent as last month Kevin Kiley rejected the 2021 raise, stating that the legislature of California has done nothing to earn a raise while millions of Californians have suffered loss of income and school shutdowns. So very noble man. Sounds like he's a man of integrity. This Kevin Kiley does. Um, now, uh, some other information about Kevin Kiley. He is the only 100% citizen-backed Californian legislator the only 100% California, he's backed 100% by the people of California, the only one in the state refusing all funding from special interests. Every year he has turned down the legislative per diem 
allowed to lawmakers rejecting over $40,000 per year in annual income because of the move. So this man's pulling a trip, a president Trump here, guys, president Trump did not take his per diem. It uh, doesn't sound like this guy is either. Very, very notable, ladies and gentlemen. Prosecuted, he prosecuted a case against Hovey Technologies for trade theft that became the impetus for a federal investigation against the Chinese tech giant. So you remember when it was it Huawei or Hawaii? I don't know how you pronounce that. I used to have one of their phones like 10 years ago. But when that Hawaii Chinese tech spying stuff came out, that investigation was initiated because of this man. Very interesting, guys. Very interesting. He has authored several bills to protect freedom of speech, protect victims of sexual assault from their abusers, and provide for greater accountability and transparency Transparency in police use of force incidents. He supports school choice. He's introduced a bill to monitor the safe and beneficial development of artificial intelligence. Now that one... He's ahead of his time there, ladies and gentlemen, because AI is uh, its a scary thing. And uh, it's not too far off the corner. But here you have a man making a bill to monitor the safe and beneficial development of self-thinking, self-conscious computers. All right. I'm for it. Okay. And uh, lastly, he has introduced legislation to end special perks for legislators Ending special perks for legislators, such as a private DMV office that is exclusively for Sacramento staff and lawmakers. Oh, well, they get to go to their own private DMV. They don't have to wait in line. Wow, how interesting. So anyways, this guy sounds like an all-around good ticket. If I do say so myself, I would probably vote for this man if I lived in California in his district or otherwise, or if I were participating in the recall election. Now, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We need to get a conservative in office. Now, I think it might have been just me who brought to uh, brought uh, the point uh, to the forefront that as an assemblyman, and then also if you look at the rest of his resume here that we just went through, he would know how to write and enact specific pieces of legislature that need to be put into motion to undo the work of Gruesome Newsom to fix things in the state of California, because allegedly there's only like so much of a, uh, so much of a window of time that they have to do this. Now, I don't know exactly how that works because I've never participated in a recall election, nor have I ever lived in California. Um, but, but he would probably be more effective in that regard than Larry Elder would. Not Elder Wood, but, you know, then Larry Elder Wood, you know. So anyway, so so um, I mean, that's a tough t that's a tough call there. But now here's the question. If it were to boil down to a Kevin Kiley and an elder and, you know, the diehard people who understand were to vote either way between Kylie and Elder, would that split the vote so bad that Jenner would win? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. But, you know, I probably would vote for Kylie. But I mean, at the same time, I'd be like, dang, you know, like that's going to I mean, you want one candidate. You want one solid candidate that, you know, you can vote for. Um, as President Trump says, we don't want to split the vote. But again, a recall election is a kind of different beast altogether. 
Um, so I don't know. Uh, those those rules may not apply. But um, as a little, yeah, Elderwood, as a little treat, um, we do have, so this way you can hear it from his voice himself and not mine, um, we have an interview with Kevin Kiley um, that I am happy to present to the audience just to, you know, uh, again, uh, uh, spread, uh, spread his name out there, get his ideas out there. And uh, so we're going to we're going to take a few minutes to listen to that interview now. And uh, we will be right back on the flip side with our last story for the night. So uh, enjoy getting to know one Assemblyman Kevin Kiley running for governor in the California recall elections of 2021. Another name has emerged in recent weeks, and that is Assemblyman Kevin Kiley from Sacramento. He's become one of Governor Newsom's most frequent, most aggressive critics in the legislature. He's a graduate of Harvard and Yale, and uh, he uh, joins us now. Welcome to The Issue Is for the first time. That's right. I uh, look forward to hopefully coming back many times in the future. All right. So, so let's start with the question I ask everybody at the beginning, which is, why you? Well, look, I'm running to carry this uh, movement, what's become the greatest citizens movement in California history, over the finish line. You know, uh, we have ha seen thousands upon thousands, eventually 2.1 million Californians who signed the petition, uh, who many in cases put their lives on hold, many folks who had never been involved in politics before. I've been fighting at the Capitol for five years to change the trajectory of our state, but now I see a whole new element being brought to the equation, and that's the voice of the people of California. But, I mean, everybody could say that. What's different about you? Well, you know, I got involved in the recall for the purpose of, you know, supporting the folks who are making this happen. And so I did not, like, wake up one day and say, I want to be governor. I went around the state and did 50 events to support the recall to try to, you know, support the folks who are making it happen. And, uh, you know, as we got closer to this final phase of it, uh, I had, you know, thousands of those people, probably tens of thousands who said, you know, and I had said, I'll play whatever role I'll play. I can play yeah. to get this across the finish line. And they said that we think that that's it. And, you know, having spent now five years in the legislature, I think I'm the only person uh, running who's, who's been involved or is involved uh, at the state level. I know exactly what the problems are and how we can go about fixing them. Uh, well, you are still not as well known as some of the other candidates. Our viewers on CBS 13 in Sacramento know you well. A lot of viewers around the state don't. So let's get to know you a little bit. One thing that's especially interesting about your background is you started as a teacher uh, for, with Teach for America in Los Angeles. I did, yeah. So I am from Northern California. Uh, I grew up in the district that I represent, uh, but actually did two stints in LA. Uh, I was a teacher uh, at a high school here called Manual Arts High School, which is kind of by USC. Uh, and then I also, after I went to law school, was back here and was in private practice for a little bit, not too far from here. And what did you learn from that experience as a teacher in the classroom? There's a picture of that. Well, there you go. I had, a, and that's actually from a, a debate team that I started when I was there. And we traveled all across the state. We had a bunch of kids who got involved, and a lot of them went on to great colleges. Uh, and I actually had a tremendous teaching experience. Uh, but I also saw, you know, how badly our public education system is failing our kids in a lot of ways. I taught 10th graders and the average reading level was fifth grade. And so uh, I'm the vice chair of the education committee now in the assembly. And my number one priority when I was elected was to fight for education reform and educational opportunity for kids. And you've been in the assembly since 20s or got elected in 2016, reelected in 2020 as well. Uh, you've become a big critic of the governor in the last year. You literally wrote a book about the recall. Let's put that up on the screen. Uh, it is called Recall Newsom. So what, Very is, creative title. what is the case, real briefly, on why 
Governor Newsom needs to be recalled. He's abused the public trust. This governor took extraordinary emergency powers uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic and used them for personal political gain and to reward the special interests that put him in office. We saw that almost immediately after this pandemic began. And there are some that say he maybe took some bad steps, but that a recall would be, should be for something really extraordinary, something criminal that somebody does. And there are people on Newsom's team that say, look, he's done a great job. The state is in, is in a massive surplus right now. Uh, the economy seems to be moving pretty well. The forecasts for job creation in this state are very high. What do you say to people that say he doesn't deserve to be recalled? He deserves to be reelected. Well, the job creation is only high because we lost the most jobs. We still have only recovered half of our jobs uh, that were lost during the pandemic, and we're having one of the weakest economic recoveries uh, in the country. But actually, California's COVID-era outcomes have been, I would argue, the worst of any state. To take just one counterpoint, if California, on a sort of population-adjusted basis, uh, had the same outcomes as Florida did, millions more kids would have been in school, hundreds of thousands more people would be employed, and thousands more people would be alive. Although they would say that the numbers uh, for California in terms of vaccinations, in terms of case count and everything is better here than it is in Florida. What, what though, um, why does he need to be recalled now? You got an election next year, a uh, few months away. Right. Why not just do it then? Why go through this $200 million process of having a recall election? Well, for one thing, it should have happened earlier. You know, the uh, legislature a few years ago passed a new law to drag out the process to make recalls harder. The whole idea of a recall is like, yes, we need him gone now because he is not doing what is best for the state. So the very fact that they've been able to push it off is itself a symptom of the political corruption that we're trying to get rid of. But I actually think the timing may end up working out pretty well. And here's why. Because if the recall is successful, then the governor, and this is what I would do, I would call a special session of the legislature, and I would move immediately to tackle the core issues that are lowering quality of life in California. I would advance education reform. I would tackle homelessness. I'd tackle the cost of living. And if the legislature refused to work with me, if legislators refused to get the message that the era of corruption was over, then they'd have a chance to face voters themselves in 2022. I mean, wouldn't you assume that they would refuse to work with you? Why would they work with you? Because this would change the game. If we have the people of California who put their mark directly on our state's politics, it's going to send a loud and clear message. And the one thing that I know from my time working at the Capitol, the one thing that state politicians will respond to is political pressure, the fear of losing their job. And so I would throw down the gauntlet immediately and say, here are the key issues. Here's what the people of our state are demanding. So either work with me or we're going to have another election next year. One of the key issues that the governor is facing now and that you would face if you became the governor is still uh, COVID. Um, in L.A. County, uh, officials have made the decision to bring back the mask mandate, even though the CDC says that that is not necessary. Um, there's a lot of anger over that. There's some people that say, look, this is what's needed. We see a, a rise in cases. We see a lot of people that are still not getting vaccinated. What do you do about COVID-19 if you're governor? And what do you make of the mask mandate? Well, I look at what other states have done and what's worked. I mean, we've been at this for quite a while. And, uh, you know, states that have taken a much different approach than California have actually done much better, not only in terms of keeping their economy going, keeping their schools going, but having better public health outcomes uh, as well. And so, you know, the idea, as you just mentioned, of having a new mask mandate in L.A. County, that runs against the scientific consensus that exists at the state and federal level. And it's of a piece with the way California has handled this whole thing. And Nate Silver, who a lot of people look to as sort of the high priest of data science, he refers to the not particularly science-driven regime of COVID policies in California. So what do you do differently? 
Well, I would leave it in the, to the judgment of individual citizens how to live their lives. I mean, we've never had greater familiarity with any disease at this point than we have with COVID-19. And of course, the levels are nowhere near where they were uh, at their peak. And so folks know how to protect themselves. They know what precautions to take. And we, I would leave it up to individuals as to you know how to go about living their lives. And part of what you want to do, though, is get rid of the state of emergency, which allows for these orders in the first place. Right. Because if you said we're no longer in a state of emergency with COVID, LA County wouldn't have the ability Right. to put in the mass mandate. Yeah, I would end the state of emergency immediately. It's an absurdity that this still is still in effect. Andrew Cuomo in New York has ended the state of emergency even in that state. And what's important to know is the state of emergency is a legal term. So if we end the state of emergency, that doesn't mean, oh, COVID is gone. COVID is no longer a threat. It means that we no longer meet the legal definition, which includes not only that there's a grave peril that we face, but also that localities, local jurisdictions, don't have the capacity to deal with themselves with the usual allotment of powers. But isn't there maybe a reason that local localities should have uh, differences. We've got 58 counties. Not every situation is going to be the same. In L.A. County, way more dense when it comes to population than other areas in Northern California. Shouldn't there be local control? Isn't that what most Republicans want? No, I'm agreeing with you. I think that that's the way it ought to be. However, there is sort of uh, a limit as to the uh, powers that anyone in government can have uh, under, unless under extraordinary circumstances. And I would argue that we are no longer in those extraordinary circumstances. Um, let's talk also about the, the biggest issue for so many people, which is homelessness. Your governor, what's the plan? What changes? Well, homelessness is an absolute tragedy. And we have, you know, what, a thousand plus people die on the streets here in L.A. every year. The unsheltered homeless population in California right now is nine times larger than the next closest state. And despite all of this, we keep throwing billions and billions more at the problem every year. The governor's own mental health czar in March said that this is not a money problem. It's a leadership problem. So we need new leadership. And in brief, what that means is you need to have a roof over the head of folks. You need to have a place for them to go. We cannot have people living and dying and languishing on the streets. And once they're there, once they're sheltered, we need to connect them with the sort of services with which they can turn their lives around. Mental health counseling, substance abuse treatment, job training, and so forth. The governor, though, says that he's going to spend $12 billion to have exactly. more roofs over people's heads. Do you disagree with that? And if so, where do you get more money? Where, where do you pay for roofs over people's heads? Well, I mean, we are spending a ton of money on homelessness. We increased spending by billions of dollars last year, as you just said, $12 billion this year. As a legislator, I actually asked for an audit of all this homelessness spending, and the governor's administration intervened to stop it from happening, even though there was a poll showing 90% of Californians favored my audit. So there is more than enough money in the system. As I just said, the governor's own top mental health official said it's not a money problem, it's a leadership problem. But the governor's approach of just putting folks in hotel rooms and then hoping that causes the problem to magically disappear there's no evidence to support that. This isn't brain surgery. We can look to what's worked in other states and, and, and model our approach after theirs. So real simply, what though does that look like with you in charge? It means that we need to have shelter for folks and then we connect them with services. And then maybe you can actually provide incentives once you successfully complete, let's say, drug abuse treatment or you successfully complete mental health counseling. Then maybe at that point you, you know, get uh, some more accommodating circumstances. But you can't just throw someone in a hotel room, not provide them the tools they need. They'll just end up back up on the street. Let's talk for a moment about the way that the Democrats are playing this. We know that they are saying that this is a Trump-driven recall by right-wing extremists. Uh, and that is something that Newsom's team says over and over again every day. So let's just talk for a moment about President Trump and get it out of the way. Did, did you support President Trump in, in 2020? And, and did your thoughts on him change after January 6th? Look, my, my approach to all this is I stay out of national politics. We have 
more than enough trouble here in California. And what Gavin Newsom is trying to do is to try to distract us so that we're focused on anything other than his failings as governor. And so national politics is divisive. People have polarized opinions on the president. I think we can find common ground in California around the very basic failures that are destroying our quality of life here. So I don't delve into any of that. That's been my approach since I was first elected. So you have no take on President Trump and January 6th and insurrection at the Capitol? No take? I mean, of course I condemn January 6th. I mean, that's, you know, that everyone right. did. Uh, but uh, no, I have very much decided to stay out of the national level because that's exactly what Gavin Newsom does, is he tries to make it all about anything other than the problems we have here in California, which is why this recall is so important, by the way. In any other election, there are a million other things on the ballot. You have local races, you have a presidential race, you have Congress, you have Senate, and it's not as easy to connect the dots between the failures of our state government and the challenges that people see in their daily lives. But the recall, the recall is our opportunity to have a focused conversation as a state facing one question. Why is it that in California we sacrifice the most and we get the least in return? Uh, so when they say that you're, uh, you know, a, a, a pro-Trump uh, person and uh, a lot of this is fueled by racism and, and fueled by the same extremists that we saw on January 6th, which is what they're going to say, which is what they're already saying. What do you say? Well, I mean, certainly anyone can make things up and say right. them, but I've been, you know, out there uh, working with folks on the recall uh, for months and months, thousands but tens of thousands of people who put their lives on hold, who would spend every weekend going out gathering signatures. These are not just Republicans. These are independents. These are Berniecrats. These are people who said, my child was stuck at home for over a year for no good Good reason. This governor caused my kid to fall behind. This governor lowered my kid's life expectancy while his kids were in private school. He knew full well that there was no good reason for kids to be at home. And he did it because his biggest special interest benefactor told him to do it. So to answer your earlier question, why does he deserve to be recalled? If that is not grounds for removal, I don't know what is. Of course, the, the, there are two questions on the recall ballot. One of them is, should he be recalled? The second question right. is, who should replace him? And you're running against a lot of other Republicans, Larry Elder uh, running as well. We had him on the show last week. This is what he said about you. Republican Assemblyman Kevin Kiley. A very good addition to my cabinet when I win. Maybe I'll try to offer him my, my job as chief of staff. He's a very, very sharp guy. What did you make of that? Uh, very nice, Larry, and I feel the same way about him. He's an extremely powerful voice for moving our state, our country in a better direction, and I'll give him the same offer, maybe a chief of staff. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, we play, that was during a game we play called the name game, which is where we ask for a, a word or a short phrase um, to describe the different people that you're running against. Uh, hopefully we can do this uh, quickly. So uh, let's put them up there. Gavin Newsom. Corrupt. Kevin Faulkner. Did some great things in San Diego. Larry Elder. Tremendous voice for change and uh, a key part of this movement. I thought you were going to say chief of staff. Uh, <laughs> chief of staff. Yeah, there you go. Uh, John Cox. Uh, someone who's given a lot of his, his himself and his, his, uh, his resources to the cause here in California. A successful businessman. Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, someone who's bringing, I think, a great perspective Trans. and, uh, you know, is part of the of, of the voices that are coming from diverse walks of life to make change in California. All right. So you sound very complimentary about your opponents. But uh, why, though, you over them? Well, see, I, I think that question is not the primary election question in this race, because we are all on the same team when it comes to the principal but, issue. But it is a question in this race, though. I mean, there, that, that, there is question number one. No, no, you guys are all there. But then people are looking at that ballot. There's a lot of names there. And somebody has to decide, OK, I got three different Kevins. Right. <laughs> Just three, there were five yeah. before, so there's been yeah. some winnowing of the Kevins. Yeah, but I, you know what I mean? <laughs> so people are trying to, to separate No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So here's the way I see it 
is that unlike a regular election where they are just your opponents, pure and simple, you know, uh, in this case, we all share the interest in removing Gavin Newsom because none of us can win unless that's the case. So all of my fire is going to be aimed at the governor and making the case for fundamental change. And I think that whoever draws that contrast best, whoever can show that they will be sort of the polar opposite of what Gavin Newsom has done, that person will naturally rise to the top on the second question. I think that the way that I'm going about the campaign and really trying to just channel, carry the torch for the citizens movement that has got us to this point, that is what this is really all about. And that is the sort of change that we need in California. It's not Democrat versus Republican. It's about restoring power to the people of California, serving public interests rather than special interests. Okay, so let's get to know you a little bit more and have some fun. This is where we play personal issues and we get to know some of your favorites um, other than just the policy stuff. You ready? We put 30 seconds up on the clock All right. for the rapid fire. Here we go. Uh, what is your favorite TV show? Oh, good choice. Favorite book? Oh, man, I'd go with probably Animal Farm. I used to teach that. Wow. It's it better right. every time George you read it. Orwell. Sport. What's your favorite sport? Basketball. I'm a, I'm a Kings fan, Sacramento, but uh, now that the rivalry has faded because we're so bad, probably not the worst politics here in LA. <laughs> what do you do to relax? Uh, I actually watched a lot of sports, and the one thing that's non-negotiable for me is going to the gym and getting exercise. Uh, you know, I go crazy if that doesn't happen. And uh, who's your role model? My role model. Oh, man. I think in politically speaking, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Lincoln. I've read a lot about, uh, you know, his early life and, and how he, he rose. But I mean, I think that, you know, when you look at uh, in my own life, I'd point to people in my family, my dad. Uh, and uh, I've been fortunate to have a lot of great mentors along the way as well. And is it true also you were uh, uh, like a high school basketball free throw champion or something? What uh, there? <laughs> something like that. So I was cut from my high school basketball team. I had my growth spurt a little late. Uh, but then I kind of randomly entered the shooting competition put on by the NBA. It was a two-person thing. So my partner and I, we won. We kept winning, kept winning. And we ended up going to the NBA finals. And it was on Nickelodeon. And we were the national champions in this basketball shooting competition, even though I was never good enough to actually play in high school. <laughs> totally random thing on my on my in my wow. career my resume <laughs> well next time we do this we got to do it on a basketball court. yeah that's and we right. also hear you're a fan of john mayer uh, uh yeah i don't so, mind john mayer. So, so we've got some some music uh, to go out uh this is waiting on the world to change which i think is fitting with the uh, political and uh, we'll see what happens uh next as we as we bump up the music thank you so much kevin kiley great to visit with you for the first time Okay, had to cut it because uh, John Mayer would get me a ding, probably. No, just kidding. All right, guys, that's that's not Kevin Kiley right there. But uh, here, let's see if we can get, we can get Kylie on the screen. There he is. All right, so now we know a little bit more about Kevin Kiley. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I thought it was a pretty good interview. I thought it was a pretty good interview. Uh, he seems like a pretty solid character um and uh and interesting interesting so all right guys so uh he's running uh, also in the recall election in california betwixt uh you know gavin gruesome newsom and a whole gaggle of uh gubernatorial hopefuls we'll see what happens guys but um i don't know i i just i have this feeling in my pit that uh gruesome will be out the question is who will be in who will be in? Ah, who's this? <laughs> All right, guys, it is the final story for tonight. Just a quick one. Uh, who is it that was uh, saying that over there in the chat rooms? Was it, was it you, Skeeter? Are you ready for your bedtime story, Mahan? <laughs> Here, let us tell you a tale about a corrupt and crooked lawyer by the name of Mark Elias. Now you guys probably remember who Mark Elias is, or maybe you don't. 
Have you guys heard of uh, Have you guys heard of Perkins Coy? Ah, oh, yes, it's starting to sound a little bit more familiar now, isn't it? Now, Perkins Coy uh, was the uh, the law office um, that employed Mark Elias. Actually, he was a partner there, and uh, this man is known as a Democrat lawyer. Now, we're talking like one of the hardest, one of, uh, I guess, I guess for the Democrats, one of the best uh, lawyers. I mean, this guy represented Hillary Clinton, right? This guy, uh, this guy, uh, what else did this guy do? This guy did a whole lot of other things that seem to be missing from my notes. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. Where did it go? Um, here in the Russian collusion hoax, right? Uh, he also uh, led Democrat efforts to change voting rules in the 2020 presidential election. Mm -hmm. He spearheaded an effort to overturn election results in close congressional races, including a... New York race where he questioned voting machines. Huh? Right. Um, he was Hillary Clinton's attorney. He was also effective in um, working for the Democrat National Convention to hire Fusion GPS to research everything that we needed to know about the PP dossier. Perkins Coy. He was also a central figure in lawfare during the uh, the start of the Maricopa County 2020 presidential audit, uh, it was Mark Elias and his law firm, Perkins Coy, that descended with uh, about 105 other lawyers into Phoenix to, uh, um, to wage lawfare against the Senate, against cyber ninjas and others involved in the 2020 presidential election. This Mark Elias, he is one evil man. Okay, um, and, and that is what he does. But anyways, the short and skinny of this story is that, uh, interesting enough, Mark Elias is separating, separating with Perkins Coy. It's the dawning of a new era, ladies and gentlemen. What will Oogie Boogie go out and do now, I ask you? Well, it turns out that uh, Perkins Coy, I mean, uh, Mark Elias, uh, Mark Elias is actually going to start his own law firm separate from Perkins Coy, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I guess we will see where it goes. Now, he's lead, He's going to be departing with, like, uh, several assistants and other lawyers to start his law firm, and he's going to continue doing uh, political lawfare. Um, I guess you could say, what was it called? Uh, um, was it was an election. Yeah, Democrat election, you know, uh, lawyering. So he's going he's gonna to continue on the same path and Perkins Coy is going, going to continue on its own. But it's just, it's interesting timing that something like this is happening, um, especially when you consider exactly everything that he was involved in. And I'm talking more about the whole Fusion GPS, uh, working with the Democrat National Convention and Hillary Clinton Right. When we know that uh, it, it, it's been discovered that uh, Hillary via the Democrat National Convention paid Fusion GPS and funded for the PP dossier. Right. 
Um, and uh, there's a lot of hubbub around about the Durham report. Yeah. We've heard that uh, he's taking more evidence before a grand jury. We've heard that uh, the Durham report may even be released. We recently had lawmakers in D.C. calling for the Durham report to be made public and a petition for it as well among, I think, I believe Marjorie Taylor Greene was one of those actively involved in that also, speaking of which. So with the Durham report supposedly, possibly, you know, coming, coming into the light, actually being released, will we see it? We will find out. If timing is indeed everything, and usually timing is everything, ladies and gentlemen, it could be said that uh, it was meant to be this way. And I'm pretty sure at the end of this, that phrase, it was meant to be this way, will become pretty obnoxious. However, however, with uh, Mark Elias separating from Perkins Coy, the optics of that suggests to me that he may be trying to clear them of any type of accountability, culpability, or guilt by association for working with a man that actively, actively uh, worked to frame a president, remove him from office, which in effect is treason. So I guess we'll see, ladies and gentlemen, we will see what happens. But Mark Elias is no longer with Perkins Coy, and this man is a monster, guys. So we will see what happens on that front. I think it's just another one of those signals that uh, we might be getting closer to something than we ever thought that we would be. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for tonight. Thank you all for hanging out, and I hope you enjoyed today's C Report. Good evening, Speaking Easy. How's it going? Thank you for donating the 300 gold pills from the bartender. And also, WC Cranop, drop in 1,117 gold pills, says, for all the hard work you put in, I agree if you were uh, MSM people would be rushing home. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens when President Trump is back in office. But I appreciate the gold pill support. I think you popped in a cookie in there earlier too. WC, thank you so much for that. Um, all funds go back into the show and may very well be funding my trip to the Patriot Double Down. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, y'all have a great night. Let me go ahead and get to releasing that lotto ticket for you guys to get to scratching those itches. Thank you for the kind words and the sentiments. I'm just here doing my uh, doing doing what I can uh, to support the cause and uh, share share a little bit of information and give a little bit of perspective um, uh, in places that you might not otherwise get or stories that you might otherwise not hear. Anyways, these stories are just interesting to me and I'm glad you guys enjoy them. All right, guys, the scratching should be released, right? Yeah, I think it is. All right. Okay, guys, get to scratching. We will see you guys manana, same place, same time here at the sea report until then, ladies and gentlemen, be safe and be blessed and God bless America.